What is up, people, and thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show and a lot to get to on today's episode of the podcast. Of course, we'll be talking about the ongoing situation happening at Ohio State with Urban Meyer, where right now he is away from the team and placed on administrative leave while the team investigates uh, claims that he may have known about uh, domestic violence allegations against an assistant coach. So that has been a very big story this week, Urban Meyer being one of the biggest football names in America in terms of college football and leading one of the top programs right now away from the team on administrative leave. We'll give you guys our thoughts on that. Also, LeBron James made a lot of news this week. Uh, One for his his obviously very, very, really awesome uh, philanthropic work uh, with his, his school. He also spoke a lot this week about his decision to join the Lakers and his thought process behind that is the first interview he's done since he made the move from Cleveland to Los Angeles. So we'll break those comments down as well. We also got some baseball talk, which we haven't done a lot of baseball talk in a little bit. We did talk about Machado a couple of weeks ago, but today we're talking about Jacob deGrom, who had another tough luck loss last night. And we'll talk about his case for the Cy Young. The Hall of Fame game happened. So preseason's underway. We'll give you guys our thoughts on the storylines from that game as well as the larger uh, storylines that we're looking forward to seeing unfold during the preseason. And, of course, the college football top 25 is finally here. Kendall, my Miami Hurricanes are in a pretty decent spot. So I'm excited about that. We'll talk about that and more, of course, with your Kendall's court. As I said, Kendall is here, and he joins me as well. Kendall, what's up, dude? Yeah, man. I have my Kendall's court later today. Uh, last week, I gave you some uh, inside information on what on what some of the teams in the Eastern Conference uh, were saying about their summer league uh, performances and some of their moves they made in the offseason from Real GM, and I'll be giving you the Western Conference Part 2 this week, so that should be fun. All right, so let's get right to it, and let's start the show talking about Urban Meyer once again. He's been placed on administrative leave by Ohio State after an investigation by college football writer Brett McMurphy found that Meyer was aware of domestic, a domestic incident in 2015 involving assistant coach Zach Smith. When asked about it on Big Ten Media Day prior to McMurray's Murphy's investigation, Meyer said he knew nothing about the incident. As the school conducts this probe, Meyer released a statement admitting that he did know of the allegations but was not properly prepared to talk about it when asked at media day. He says in both instances with Smith, because there was another incident in 2009 where he was investigated by the police for domestic violence while he was at Florida, he says that he followed correct protocol by reporting it to his supervisors. So that seems to suggest to me, Kendall, that he's kind of passing the buck to Gene Smith and to the people at Florida as to why this gentleman, Mr. Smith, continues to keep getting a job uh, and keeping his job despite these flare-ups of domestic issues that seem to be happening. Now, Smith, for his part, denies that he's ever been, uh, that he's never, com- yeah, he's ever committed any kind of domestic uh, violence against his wife, which is his ex-wife, rather, which she flatly rejects. Um, text messages were, were unveiled showing that it seems that he apologizes for various violent instances that he had with his ex-wife, um, those were revealed yesterday. So that seems to contradict Smith's account that he gave to ESPN and to, uh, I think he did a local radio station there in, in Columbus, talking about that he was denying that he had 
real domestic issues or anything like that. So obviously this is a very um, touchy situation. Kendall, will Meyer or should Meyer survive all of this? With what we know right now. Well, obviously, there's yeah, more. Obviously, it's more of an investigation that, of course, will come. Will up. or should? Two very different questions. Because um, then that takes in realism versus, uh, I guess, what someone's moral compass may say is the proper way to handle this. But um, first, in terms of will he be the coach? Um, I do not think so, because generally when you look at these type of situations, it comes down to, does this, or or have you been so tainted, have your resume, your legacy, your image, your brand been so tainted to the point where you can't successfully do your job to the best of your abilities, and in this situation, I look at Urban Meyer and I say, this could be used so poorly against Urban Meyer at Ohio State <laughs> that I think that, and with Ohio State being in the Big Ten, we saw what happened with Penn State, uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago, that they may say and look at their uh, counterpart and say, look, we have to handle this a little better. We have to be a little more swift, mm-hmm. which is why he's, he's not coaching. They took him out. Um, put him on administrative leave, uh, and I don't think you can bring him back. Because once you do that, that is an admittance of you're not capable of doing the job right now. Right. Why is that? Because the heat is way too much for this guy to be a competent football coach for us to keep this guy doing his job. Um, or you feel like there is something there that would suggest that he shouldn't be the coach. And if that's the case... The way this stuff looks in terms of the circumstantial evidence suggests that that something there will not go away. It's not going to be proven that he did anything extra that will prove his innocence, for lack of a better term. So if that's the case, I don't think the circumstances will change uh, in the next two weeks that will allow him to get his job back. Should he get? Should he keep his job? Probably not. Um, I mean, Urban Meyer made tons of money in his career. He's won two national championships, mm-hmm. three three national championships, I believe. Um, he's won at two different schools. The guy, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, arguably the best coach in college football, not named Nick Saban. He doesn't, it's not as if he needs this job. You know, it's not like, oh, we, we want to give Urban Meyer another chance. Does he really need another chance? You know, he's he's already a hall. Of, he's already aligned a Hall of Fame resume. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is a blue blood college football program. Their standards, regardless of who the coach, are going to be extremely high. So, if they get rid of Urban Meyer, he's not irreplaceable because there are plenty of other coaches out there that are younger uh, that don't have. Uh, a track record that is shady or mm-hmm. sketchy. Um, and so if I was Ohio State, I would say to myself, look, there is a gray area where you can maybe try and spin this to keep his job. It's where not, is that gray area for you? I, I mean, I think the gray area is that 
I think the cover up was worse than the offense. Really? If if we're to believe Urban Meyer, right? That he did report it. That he did report. Which I mean, I don't know. You know, we'll have to we'll have to let the investigation play itself out. Right. But if he did report it, then the problem was that he lied about it. Right. Which which is, appears like you're covering up. Yeah, it's a cover up. Right. Uh, yeah, it is a cover up. Yeah, yeah not a, appears. It's obvious what you're doing. It's a cover up. So you can you there's definitely grounds to maybe relieve his, his job, relieve, relieve him of his duties. But I think there is grounds to say, look, he made a mistake. He was in, you know. Got caught in the heat of the moment, you know, the lights right. of Big Ten Media Day. And everybody, I mean, he should be ready for it. I mean, he's been at SEC Media Day, which is bigger. Right. And he's been a, a, a big-time college football coach for well over a decade. So that's not really an excuse, but I think there is some gray area where you can say, look, now if he's lying about no, about reporting it and stuff and that kind of stuff, then I think now we're talking about, yeah, I don't know if there is a gray area. For me, the question about whether or not he should be back. Well, here's I guess, the first question we should ask is, will he be back? Um, these things normally don't re- end with the coach being brought back. When they when they go on administrative leave, and so, like I can't remember a time. In, most of the time, the administrative leave stuff happens in college football or college basketball. It's rare I've seen it happen in pro sports. Usually they just get rid of you or you quit. Yeah. <laughs> when stuff happens, they don't even want to. They don't need no investigation. They don't even want to deal with the hassle. But it kind of, I think honestly, it kind of shows to me, uh, kind of whether I don't say moral standing is of the schools because I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think it shows where maybe the moral standings of the fans are to where a professional team will say there's too much money to be lost by keeping this guy around to see if maybe he, somehow he'll be exonerated. Whereas college football, they because Urban Meyer is a big deal, and he's a big deal Ohio State football, and Ohio State football is life in Columbus and in the state of Ohio, they will take that chance and say, oh, let's, let's wait this out and see what happens before yeah. we just get rid of him. Baylor, despite all of the crazy allegations and crazy evidence that was against Art Briles, was like, oh, let's wait this out. This is, let's just wait and just see in case there's some silver lining yeah. here. Well, maybe he's innocent, actually. Maybe there's a second Art Bryles that did all this stuff. And yeah. he, there's a scroll out there that was acting like Art yeah, Bryles and Urban Meyer that was doing this. And the real Urban Meyer and Art <laughs> Bryles are perfectly innocent. Maybe there's something that can happen. I think it does speak to the fact that those fans, maybe they feel like they won't lose as much money by bringing those guys back or be hurt by bringing those guys back in those situations where professional teams feel like they there's more feet to their fire. That being said, should he be, will he be back? No. Because, like I said, I I just feel like once you get to this point, and you kind of said it as well, once you feel like, okay, we have to remove him from the team because this just looks so bad that we can't even have him coaching right now. We can't have him around young kids right that's now. That's not going to change. Yeah. that Once you put that stench on that guy, that's never going to go away for your school. Could he go somewhere else and re, oh, know, yeah. be a reclamation project somewhere else? I'm sure that will happen to Urban Meyer. But it's not going to happen in Ohio State. So he's done in Columbus. Uh, should he be gone? Uh, the answer to that to me is a resounding yes. Um, I'd say that for a couple of reasons, reasons, and that's including if everything he's saying, which is still very vague and very small, yeah. is true. Because always saying that I, I, I follow proper reporting protocol. What is the proper reporting protocol? Um, why, after you did it in 2009, did you f- feel like you should bring him back in at Ohio State? Like. The statement left more questions than answers for Urban Meyer, which is why I don't think he should have said anything. I think this was a bad move on his part. 
um, it makes him look like someone who is still trying to hold up a image that has already just been tainted and now makes him look worse. To me, he should have just stayed quiet and just let this thing play out. Staying quiet would have been tough because then we would have felt like this is an ambition of guilt. No, I think oh, well, I think they placed him on administrative leave. You just say I'm placed on him. I can't speak on it while the investigation is going going. And then I mean, you want to speak about it after they fire you or after you're forced to quit or whatever. Then you talk about it. But talk to to try to jump the jump the shark so to speak and say let me get ahead of this and say I did the right thing. I mean, my bosses do, did the wrong things. He didn't do the. Rick I don't Pitino think it makes thing. him look good. At least he didn't do the Rick Pitino thing and say I, I'm shocked about what I've what I've what I've heard. I'm, I'm shocked about. What happened with Zach Smith? It's like, what do you mean you're shocked? You knew about this. I know, yeah. He was, yeah, Rick Pitino. He did not have the greatest PR people who were working He's got a new him. book coming out. Yeah, everyone's really excited about that book. I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like that book's going to be, like, just fantastical. Oh, <laughs> just, like, yeah, crazy stories. don't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know. But speaking on Urban Meyer, I think he has to go because of all, all those questions I just asked that he didn't seem to be seen the answer in that statement. Yeah. Um, I always think he should be gone because I think, and I got to shout out uh, USA Today's um, reporter, George Schroeder, because I kind of thought the same thing. I talked about it to you off air when we talked about Urban Meyer. And to me, if I'm Ohio State and I'm looking at Urban Meyer and talking about, you know, we always talk about college football. You're the leader of young kids trying to make them become young men. You're supposed to be that example for these young men uh, and trying to get them to mold them to be the type of uh, not only great players, but of course, uh, you know, great people within our society. And that is your job as a head man to do that. So when I see this type of, type of explosive incident, and I'm trying to think of any reason why I would bring him back, my first thing would be, okay, well, what has what is his track record with good men or, or just a group of men in general before he got to Ohio State? The last big job he had, of course, was at Florida, yes, where he won a national championship, of course, two he had titles. two national titles. Yeah, right. It's right. Two national titles. We got the one with Chris Leak. He won two national titles. Uh, we, you know, you talk about Chris Leak. You talk about Tim Tebow. Those are two of the faces of his program. Two very upstanding young gentlemen. But let's kind of when you peel back the layer of his time at Florida State at, at, at University of Florida, you start to see that there were a lot of issues with the guys he was bringing up at that program, which is why I shout out George Schrader because he wrote a very, very good article, kind of going back to the history of what his time was like at Gainesville. And if you remember, Kendall, there was a litany of arrests, a litany of, of player discipline issues. And I think it got to the point where we talked about why he left college football. I think because he couldn't handle all the stuff that was being thrown at him as a head coach at the University of Florida and dealing with not just the stuff on the field, trying to get this team to play at an elite level, but also dealing with the guys he was bringing into the program and the issues they were having. When he was at Florida in the six seasons he was there, there were more than 30 player arrests. Ooh, 30. That includes Chris Rainey, who was charged with aggravated stalking for of a girlfriend in which he texted her that she was going to die. We had uh, Jamar Hornsby, who stole and charged up to $3,000 on a credit card over a deceased girl, uh, teammate of a girlfriend of a teammate. Um, Ronnie Wilson was charged with aggravated assault in an altercation in which he fired a rifle. He was kicked off the team and then brought back to the team. So there were massive issues, and then that doesn't even talk about the fact that uh, Aaron Hernandez was on the roster <laughs> during that time period. We all know what happened with uh, with Hernandez. He was a suspect in a 2007 shooting in Gainesville, which remains unsolved. We all know, of course, he's he's of course he's dead right now. He committed suicide in jail. He was charged in and convicted of murder uh, later on in his life. 
So there were massive issues at Florida. To me, he Cam should. Newton. And of course, the Cam Newton situation, one of the few guys he seemed to actually discipline. Uh, he got kicked out of school for stealing laptops and running like a crazy man <laughs> on, on, on Florida's campus. So that's the example, and that's the track record. When I look and see what is Urban Meyer's track record and keeping a tight ship. To me, he has none. He has, His track record is terrible. Um, his teams have been great. His players have been great. But when it comes to being a leader of men and bringing in the right kind of people into the program, Urban Meyer gets a flying F for how he's I, done I, his job, not only at Florida, but at Ohio State. I, I agree with most of your points. The only thing I'll say in defense of Meyer, or at least an understanding of Meyer, is that I feel like, and I don't have the numbers, but I assume that the numbers at Ohio State have been better in terms of arrests. They haven't been nearly as high profile. Yeah, but he's, he had Ezekiel Elliott play for his team, though. Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott. But he kept Ezekiel Elliott in line while he was at Ohio State for the most part. I mean, if you, I mean, I followed that, uh, we all followed that draft uh, cycle uh, a couple years ago with Ezekiel Elliott, and the talk was like, oh, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott is a complete knucklehead. Yeah, the thing was, I don't care what. He had a huge red flag. What, yeah, what the laws or what, the, what his criminal record says, there yeah. was red flag issues yeah. with character. Same with Joey Bosa as well. Exactly. Um, These are two guys he, he brought. He recruited best player, he's Nick two best players. Bosa, and he, and, and, and he brought in, and he was coaching Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Um, those were probably two best players he's had while he's at Ohio State. Exactly. So um, that wasn't great, but. The other thing I will say is that is this an Urban Meyer problem or is this a big time college football problem? Maybe not the arrest. The arrest seemed a little excessive. Thirty and six years? years. That is that's not every program ha- doesn't have that. But when I look at just the entire moral compass of college football, I can guarantee you that ninety percent of the coaches would trade their careers for Urban Myers if they know knowing they'd have to do the same stuff Urban Myers had to do. They would say, Alright, I'll do that. Or I can guarantee you probably probably fifty percent of them have done the same stuff or worse stuff. Not only the worst stuff, but the same have probably conducted themselves the same way Urban Meyer has. They've crossed the same bridges. They've been made. willing to cross the same right. bridges. I mean the the Art Bryles thing is really bad. And he got caught on it, and now he he's coaching in Italy. <laughs> really? Got, he just got a job in Italy. They play football in Italy. They play uh, American football in Italy. Apparently, I can't be getting paid I, that much. Jesus, well, that yeah, wow. But it shows you how bad he he's, he's got it. Can't even find a job in Canada. But um, but like Art Bryles got caught. Um, but I can I mean, if you follow college football, you understand that guy. These teams take chances on guys. These guys, these programs, these administrators are willing to look the blind eye. Like, that's the other thing, that I don't want to, if what Meyer is saying is true, that he reported this stuff, we can't overlook the fact that a lot of these university administrators also have very screwed up moral compasses. Because that goes back to the stuff we saw with Ohio State now, the stuff we saw at Penn State, the stuff we saw at Michigan State. Stuff we saw at Baylor, stuff we've seen at Tennessee, stuff we've seen at a bunch of these programs. He's not the only one, and Ohio State's not the only one that have done this. This it seems to be a college football problem that 
I even off air told you, I wonder if this problem with college football is the reason why we have some of the problems and lack of accountability in college football is the reason we have some of the problems we have in the NFL with guys having off the field problems. Right. Because I feel like in college basketball, while there are guys that have gotten in trouble plenty of times, um, I do feel like they're maybe it's because there's less guys, there's more of a microscope on the individual incidents and it's easier it's less it's harder to hide, it's harder mm-hmm. to forget about some of this stuff, but um, and the players are more high profile just because they don't have ma- they don't have helmets. Yeah. Um, but I feel like guys are held more accountable in college basketball for their transgressions rather than in co- I mean, Brian Bowen took some money and I mean, he had no school wanted to even touch him. Yeah. You know, like the difference is I feel like in college basketball again, these guys are held more accountable for their actions whereas in college football, I mean, I don't know if Chris Rainey missed any games for the things that the stuff. He I don't. Did. I don't remember if he did. You know, like you said, a lot of these guys that they've had, Aaron Hernandez, I don't think missed any games at Florida for some of the stuff he was doing. But it's not just a Florida problem. I feel like it's a college football problem, which then uh, catapults into an NFL problem. Which is why that's why I think the Smith thing is worse, Kendall, because I, I I do think that for the people that talk about the football guys and make the case that. Look, there's 60, 70 guys on a football team where there's 12 guys on basketball. So there's going to be more instances of crime because there's more people. Uh, I think that's probably – I don't know what the percentages are. The numbers are probably make – they probably yeah, the, make sense. The numbers per capita probably are, are similar. I don't know for sure. I could be wrong, and it could be worse. The, the, but I know if the feeling is that it's worse because of the the violent nature sometimes, the extreme yeah, nature. Yeah. Did you see a Kellen Winslow, a Darren Sharper. Yeah, I mean, see some of these guys in college football. I even, mean, even Aaron like, Anders, of course. Know, even like a Joe Mixon or something. Even that. Joe Mixon, Greg Hardy. Right. Or, no, there, there's there's a litany of like very, very troubling instances that we just don't seem to see in basketball. What are you going to say? <laughs> well, I, I mean, was going to say something about what I want you to get out before you forget. Well, well one – with the basketball thing, you'll see like like there was stuff with the Michigan State basketball team that was pretty right. bad, you know. But that stemmed from also a football investigation, That's which too. had football, many football issues, maybe more football um, issues. The most explosive stuff in that story was the football stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. You no, know, I'm, I'm beyond Nasser, but you know, once you're talking about just the the when they the they brought game. D'Antonio and Izzo into the picture, the most explosive stuff was the D'Antonio stuff. Yeah. So I mean, but. That's why, to me, all of those reasons are why this this thing is worse for everybody. Oh, well, also what I was going to say was, yeah, yeah. Gonna say? yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. But the other thing I was going to say was, the only reason I don't completely give coaches, football coaches a pass on the amount of players they have is that it tends to be, at least the ones we cover for the most part, tend to be the high-profile guys. And you can't tell me that uh, Art Bryles wasn't watching Josh Gordon while he was at Baylor. Sure. You know, you can't tell me that, you know, Urban Meyer wasn't paying attention to Ezekiel Elliott and, and what Joey he was Bosa, doing. Yeah. And Joey Bosa. I mean, those guys are the guys that are making his money. Right. Um, like, sure, it's easier for Tom Izzo to, you know, watch someone like Adrian Payne and keep him under wraps, even if he didn't keep him under wraps, allegedly. But um, when I look at college football, while, yes, there are a lot of guys you have to keep track of, the head coach is going to keep track of Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to keep track of Joey Bosa. Yeah. You know, he may not be able to, you know, handle the third string tight end, you know, going crazy, but yeah. he probably won't care. He'll kick him off the yeah, team. Stoops Stu should have a good eye on Joe Mixon. But, like, all you yeah, – exactly. Joe Mixon, <laughs> you know, Randy Gregory, yeah. all the crazy guys we've had in the NFL. These guys were stars in college yeah. that had problems in college right. that were overlooked. 
They were overlooked because, and this stuff isn't overlooked in the NFL. A lot of times, these guys are getting suspended. Right. Four games, they're breaking NFL policy because right. the players are better and they're not as special of talents <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah, they're not as sheltered. They're not as sheltered. So that's why I look at the college football infrastructure and I say, look, a lot of these guys are being, um, I, I'm disappointed at the, the lack of, they're being let down right. by the system, by having these coaches that aren't properly disciplining these guys, aren't properly coaching these guys on how to handle themselves off the field. I'm glad you brought that point and, and remembered your point because it leads right into why I think this, as I said for the third time, why I think this, this my is situation poor. is worse. Yeah. Because you talk about having all these guys on your team and still not being able to handle some of the star players that have issues. But when we talk about the massive number of guys on the roster, that's why in college football or in any football league, you lean on your assistant coaches. That's right. why you have an expansive staff that includes coordinators, position coaches, um, you know, directors of football operations, analysts, analysts uh, football managers. There, I mean, a football coaching staff at Ohio State is probably thirty deep. Yeah, it may be even more. That's how many guys that you know. I mean, maybe the twenty guys travel, but in terms of who's part of the program and keeping everyone in line and keeping everyone in track, and that's not. Even, it's like it's thirty. That's deep. not even talking about just the university. People that they have, yeah, the, the athletic, the, um, the athletic staff, the yeah. tutors, the the, the people that, people. yeah, there's there's all these different people, the media people. I mean, the, you know, the media department, the SIDs, people. Like there's yeah, exactly. I mean, the, it's so deep. So that's what makes it tough because those are the guys that are supposed to help you help these kids, and these are the kind of characters that you're bringing in. Yeah. That's why the, my thing was terrible yeah, to Zach me Smith, because the Zach uh, Zach Smith shouldn't be around kids. I don't care. Who his father is? And there's word that you know, early or grandfather. He, you know, Urban Meyer came into coaching under his grandfather, who, you know, mentored Urban Meyer, and perhaps there was a loyalty situation as to why he didn't want to get rid of this guy. Also, um, apparently, Urban Meyer rarely fires assistant coaches. That's also a thing. Apparently, I don't, I don't know. I can't back that up with stats, but people who have followed Florida say he does. He really rarely gets rid of people on his staff. The people that have, he's had, he's brought everywhere he's gone. I so, think he got rid of. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think Luke Fickle might have been fired, but but he uh, Luke Fickle wasn't his guy. That's the end. Well, he brought him. He kept him on staff. I think. And then, yeah, I think he got rid. Did of he him. got rid of Luke Fickle? Really? I think Luke Fickle. Where he is he now? Got a job. I don't know. I, I don't think, think he got rid of him. I thought he just got another job. He might have got another job. Um, but the problem is that these are the guys that are supposed to 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 to, to help you shape these young men, and when you're bringing in. Um, corrupt characters to... Oh, he's the head coach of Cincinnati. Yeah, I thought he got a job. He didn't get rid of him. Um, <laughs> when you're bringing in corrupt characters to do that, people with terrible moral compasses, people that have possible criminal issues, and you're saying that these are the guys that are going to help mold my young kids into men, that's very problematic. If I'm Ohio State, I look at my program and say, look, Ermeyer is shown to be one of the best coaches in college football. Obviously, he's had massive success there, but... We've had massive success with other coaches, and the the program, as we've seen, post Jim Tressel, post every other coach they've had, Woody Hayes, they uh, they it lives on beyond the head coach. The Ohio State is that big. He they don't Ohio State doesn't need Urban Meyer. Maybe they needed him a couple years ago to get them where they are, but they can move on without him. It's time for them to cut bait. To me, Urban Meyer should be done at Ohio State. But let's Kendall move on to the next uh, topic for today's show.
And let's talk about LeBron James, because I said at the top of the show, uh, James opened up about his move to Los Angeles and his first interview since signing with the Lakers this offseason. And sit down with Rachel Nichols during the opening uh, during the opening of his new charter school, which I have to say I got to give a lot of applause and 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 salute to LeBron James for that school because that that school seems amazing. Of course, we got to see it um, happen in fruition and see it in action. But some stuff talking about the I Promise School, all the uh, all the the resources for the at risk kids, all the stuff seems just really awesome. I suggest anyone who who wants to learn about it check it out because it, it seems like LeBron's doing something really amazing in his hometown of Akron with this school. But at that event, he uh, he talked about how he's excited to join this group with the Lakers. He says he's excited to play uh, with the guys the Lakers have brought in in free agency, which has raised a lot of eyebrows because of the the type of characters yeah. they brought in. Yeah. Uh, your Lance Stevenson's, Ray John, Ray John Rondo's, JL McGee, Michael Beasley. Uh, but LeBron says these guys are quote guys who just love to play basketball. Um, he said he didn't want to use his leverage to force the Lakers brass into making a Kawhi Leonard trade because he loves the Lakers young guys uh, and that he's confident in the way Genie, Magic, and Palinka are shaping the team. He added later that he does not think this is a rebuilding year and that this year's Lakers team has a chance to, quote, do something that a lot of people don't think we can do. I don't know what that means <laughs> at the end there. Uh, it's very vague, probably by on purpose. Yeah. But what do you, can you make some of these uh, first remarks from the King? Um, I think LeBron, I, I'm, LeBron can try and convince people that this move that he made is, was about basketball. And look, it's, it's fair. I like, I, I'm not one to say that LeBron lying about some of the stuff he's saying. I won't say he's lying. I'm not saying that he's trying to control. I mean, I think he's trying to control the narrative by <laughs> saying some of the stuff he's saying. But what I will say is that. I'm not convinced that he, some of the moves that were made he cares very much about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I can't look at I can't look at them bringing in Rondo, Joel McGee, Lance Stevenson, and Michael Beasley and LeBron saying I'm I'm super excited from a basketball perspective to play with those guys and to play with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh. Hart, yeah, I mean, we both think LeBron has an extremely high basketball IQ. Yeah. That, would, that would seem to be odd if yeah. you saw that group and was like, this is great. Yeah, I've played with <laughs> Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh <laughs> right. in their prime. You know, I played with Kyrie and Kevin Love in their prime, and I'm very Can't excited. wait to say play with Beasley. Yeah, I, no way. <laughs> Not, I mean, if he's being honest. Right. Now, do I think that he's fine with it? Do I think that he – of course, because he made the decision to go there. I don't, he's not opposed to this. I'm sure he had an idea. He probably had his foot in a lot of these decisions. But – I mean, I don't think he's excited to play with these guys. Um, and I don't think that this move was primarily basketball. I think this move was primarily quality of life and primarily Hollywood and business and money. Do I blame LeBron? No. If I were in his shoes, if I was Rich Paul or Maverick Carter, I would advise the same thing. I would say go to Los Angeles, be best for your long-term uh, financial. I mean, if he cares about the money, he doesn't need the money. But if he cares about it, it would be best for your long-term financial uh, worth. So I, I'm not I'm not mad at LeBron, and I understand for his image, he can't say this was about Hollywood. But <laughs> I, I'm just keeping it real. You know that that seems to have been what uh, this was about. Um, it was you can see it from a mile away. He's already got movies. He's lined up and TV shows. He's got he's he's lining up. This 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 move was was mostly about that. 
Because if it wasn't, he would have gone to Philly. That's basically what this comes yeah. down to. I mean, what was interesting in the interview, he says that, you know, he did put thought into teaming up with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in Philly. And that he did think about going to Houston, play with Harden and Chris Paul. Um, but when Rachel asked about, you know, why do you feel about going to a team that doesn't seem to be ready to win a championship in what could be the last years of his prime, his response was he rejects that these are the last years of his prime. Yeah. He he feels like he Which trains I, I and puts himself at a level to where he feels like he still has plenty of prime basketball to play. We saw him this year. It's, he didn't look like I, I gave, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to fight him on it. I don't see the cliff coming. <laughs> um, no, but... Also, what I'll say is that, well, one on the the Rockets thing, I I had heard there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of smoke out there that had LeBron gone to Houston, they would have moved James Harden. Um, wow. Yeah, a lot of smoke. Who's out saying there. that? Uh, just on you know underground stuff, you okay. know, not like any, not any you know, no no big name guys right, put right. their name on that. But um, the underground stuff is that James Harden wasn't really so. He wasn't so excited about playing with LeBron. I could, I'm not so surprised. Yeah, by that. It, does, it seems to make sense. Um, so the talk that they wouldn't have even brought, and maybe LeBron isn't going to acknowledge that, or he's not going to admit that. But I don't think Houston was a serious contender. I, I still don't understand how that would have worked, oh, money wise. How they would have figured that out. Oh yeah. I, I don't. I haven't seen one person explain it to me in a way that makes any sense. I mean, and could they have finagled their way into maybe? Trading Capella, Someone they would still would have had the money. Well, they wouldn't have had the money, but like in like a signing trade, like maybe you get. I don't assets. think you can do signing trades like that anymore. Like free agent for free agent. I don't, I don't think, think you can do that. But could you have signing traded Capella for assets and then got those use those assets to then attach to Ryan Anderson or somebody to trade to Cleveland? I don't know. It just seemed very complicated. It seemed complicated. LeBron's gonna wait out, wait three yeah. weeks, four weeks for them to do all this yeah, stuff. Exactly. That's, that, that's, that's not gonna. They that's can't why, do that in a day or two. Why, that's why I just said I don't think he ever was gonna go to Houston. Right. Uh, I think I think Philly. I think had a shot, which is why they're the only team that got a meeting. I almost think that like people like the, the Houston thing was just based off people seeing like the, what the Warriors did. No, oh, well, if the Warriors did it, then why can't? You do. I'm like the circumstances are different, fam. Yeah, no. Like you can't just. Put look at another situation and say, "Oh, they could do the exact same yeah, thing." Yeah, Warriors very lucky, right? The way things worked out exactly uh, with Steph Curry's money and stuff like that. But um, no, I think that uh, Philly was the basketball move. I don't know if you would agree with that, but I do agree. You know, going to the, staying in the Eastern Conference because it's not it makes no sense to go to the Western Conference. No, if you're not going to Houston, it makes no sense. ESPN's projection today doesn't have Lakers in the playoffs. I, look, I don't think that's crazy. I, I mean, I think it's crazy. I think they'll make it. I think if even if it's close, LeBron will turn it up. Just we look at the eight teams they got there, and it's like those are it's gonna be tough for the Lakers yeah. to pass any of these teams. If Not they, that they can't. If but, they make the playoffs, man, LeBron, <laughs> we can't talk about the Jordan stuff, man. If they ain't make the playoffs, I mean, if LeBron's they gonna true, make the if, he, if he's like in his prime, if he has like in the crazy season statistically, which if he has that, I can't imagine it not in the playoffs. That would be crazy, LeBron, to make the playoffs. I, I I just can't see that happening. He he's gonna fight. Are you mean to tell me Nikola Jokic is gonna lead his team to the playoffs over LeBron? I don't well, think. I, look, the Nuggets are making it. I don't know who's not making it. The Nuggets, Nuggets, Nuggets are making so it. Minnesota is not gonna make it. Uh, I don't. Uh, they might make it too. So 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 I guess Anthony Davis is out. 
the, the Nuggets are making it. That's all I'm saying. Dame Lillard. All I'm saying is that the Nuggets. There are a lot of names out there. Donovan Mitchell. All I'm saying is the out. Nuggets with Jokic and Murray and Harris. They making the playoffs. Look, man, two new teams are coming in, and that means two teams are coming out. All right, I'm just saying. I'm saying um, the Nuggets are making it. I don't know. What do you make of these Lebron? Uh, I think the most interesting part of these comments are to me probably the Kawhi stuff, honestly, because okay. I think that as we saw with him in Cleveland. The, the power he had over, over the organization was massive. Yeah. Um, in a second, he could tell a team to do something, and they do it. Yeah. Give Tristan Thompson $80 million. Okay, fine. After, you fight, after they fight him for months, he just steps in and says, nope, you're going to pay him every dime. I'm like, okay, I guess we're just going to cave and give him every dime, even though we've been fighting this guy for months yeah, and months to try to get a real contract. Oh, just give J.R. Smith everything he wants. That's, that's fine. Oh, all right. I guess we got to. Even though we've been fighting this guy for months, we'll just yeah. give J.R. Smith all this money. Like, what's the point in negotiating all those months for him to then just come in and say, "Nope, you're going to do exactly what that other guy wants," and then they get their money. Um, and then, and then we saw the power when he decided, "Oh no, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. You guys are going to have to figure this all out because I'm leaving next year." I'm not waving my no trade clause. Yeah, and I'm not waving my no trade clause, so uh, don't trade me. <laughs> like his power over that organization was massive, and it makes me wonder. I mean, I know his or power over the Lakers will also be massive. But it makes me wonder if he doesn't have as much power or if he's willing to relinquish it. And he signed long-term, so... It, I mean, he already relinquished it yeah. when he signed that four-year contract. Yeah, contractually, he doesn't have more, <laughs> as much power as he did. The Cleveland thing was, I have a one-year... I, I got a one-year deal, so if you guys don't listen to me, I'm, I'm bouncing. Because to me, the Kawhi thing was interesting. Like you said, if you're talking about trying to win a championship, I mean, like, unless there's word that he talked to Kawhi and said, yo, just wait after the year. We'll bring you in next year. Just be cool. Everything will be good. But then the word is that Kawhi's not excited about I, playing with LeBron. That's the, the, the rumor. There, it might not like, matter. The but The Kawhi stuff is weird because there's, like, stuff coming from eight different yeah, places. Yeah, it's crazy. LeBron, he wants to go to the Lakers. No, he'd rather play for the Clippers. He loves Toronto. <laughs> you know, he hates Toronto. He hates the cold. I mean, it's, it's so contradicting. I think it's probably because the people who talk to him are just trying to just judge him by his facial expressions. I know, right? That's probably why. Yeah, I know. say, what do you think of the Lakers? He smiles. He's like, okay, he wants to go to the Lakers. What do you think of LeBron? He frowns. Oh, he doesn't like LeBron. He wants to go to the Clippers. <laughs> what do you think of Toronto? He's like, hmm, <laughs> they're a good team. And he says, oh, he smirked. Maybe he likes them. What do you think of the cold? And he just gets mad scared. He's yeah. like, oh, no. And so, oh, no, that means he doesn't like the Lakers. So we're getting all these stories based on LeBron and Kawhi not actually saying anything. Yeah, He's just giving facial, different facial expressions. You know expressions. Kawhi Leonard hasn't tweeted in four years? That's that he's he's be staying on he's staying on brand. He really is. Man. <laughs> he's staying he on really brand. That's, I think that's smart. I think that for I him, think a good marketing. It would be weird if he was tweeting randomly. I think a good marketing campaign could really do something with this Kawhi Leonard not having on no personality. Oh uh, yeah, I think so like, too. You know, like I mean, Nike did it with Penny Hardaway where they had the little Penny thing to you know kind of combine his lack of personality as a person with yeah. a flashy game. I think somebody could do something similar. Jordan Brand didn't. Jordan Brand was just like, Kawhi was, is a good yeah. player, so b- buy our shoes. Right. Wasn't there, like, a, an NFL player that had some kind of marketing campaign around, like... Him being born? Yeah. Like, but, like, not him being born, but, like, here's the regular guy, but then I'm his ego. Like, some other person was his ego. Like, I don't... Or maybe it was an NBA guy. I don't know. I feel like I remember a sports athlete having that. And me liking the commercial. I can't remember who it is, though. It wasn't, it wasn't like the Tony Romo or Eli Manning. No. Uh, part of me thinks it's Revis for some reason. It was Randy Moss. It was, it was a lot of those direct TV commercials where it was like the second version of the person. They but, did those. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. 
you think that there's something funny that they could do whoever oh, his yeah. next whoever his next yeah. shoe person is that they could do something really good with that if he's willing of course to participate which we don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah he won't say yes or no probably yeah, yeah. um but yeah i thought that was interesting because to me it, it suggests that maybe lebron is willing to relinquish a lot of power to the lakers and it goes back to what you were saying is that maybe he just sees the lakers as just like a vessel to his hollywood <laughs> i don't think he cares his hollywood like just like he didn't care about who cleveland got because if lebron seriously cared about winning a championship he could have known he was going to cleveland anyway or going to la but he could have said i want you guys to go out and to be fair i think he did from i mean again we conflicting reports but i think he did say i want eric bledsoe or i want this guy but cleveland was like all right so you're gonna sign long term and lebron's like look i don't know so <laughs> do whatever you want i can't tell you what i'm gonna do but my thing is like i feel like if he wanted he, i'm sure he's gonna go out and try and get some guys but mm-hmm. I don't think he he's gonna suggest some stuff. But I don't think he cares. I think look, if I gotta play with these guys, whatever. Yeah, I think I, I think he I think he's kind of resigned to like this year being like I, we're not gonna beat the Warriors. So like bringing guys and like I think he's one of those dudes that legitimately feels like yo, just give me like some guys that can hoop and like I'll we'll figure it out. I think he does genuinely feel that way. He doesn't think he win a championship with these guys. The whole part about we could do something that nobody thinks. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe he's talking. Maybe he knew ESPN wasn't gonna put them in the playoffs. Yeah. And he's like, we can make the playoffs. Yeah. And nobody thinks we can do this. Yeah. I don't know because like he, they ain't winning no championship. Yeah. But I do think that um, he is one of those guys that feels like, look, you put me with a bunch of pretty good players, and I'll figure out a way to get us to advance. I think he does care to some degree who's playing with because while his brand is expansive and and great. And not much can really hurt his brand, including uh, 45, our president. But no, you talking about Jordan? No, not 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 45 Jordan. The other 40, the other word. The, <laughs> the only 45 worse than the Jordan 45. <laughs> uh, the 45 we have in the White House right now. Um, but I will say that I think it, he he does care a little bit because it, it's he he needs to, I think to still be in the spotlight of winning and like he can't be missing the playoffs and feeling like this is going to help his brand in Hollywood and stuff like that. Like, ain't, like it's not going to be a travesty. It's not going to kill his brand. But I think he cares to the point where it's like, look, I got to be in the playoffs. That's I why I think be he, in high visible situations. That, that's still. why I think he was – because I think he knew he was leaving Cleveland. I think he knew he wasn't going to beat Golden State. But he still tried like heck to beat Boston because I think he knew like – I it's great. It's good for my brand if I look amazing and I beat the Celtics and I'm in the finals again. Regardless of whether or not we have, he could have laid down and been like, "It's not even worth it, man." <laughs> Those first two games, he definitely no yeah. one would have really. Well, we would have still killed him. We would have killed him, but it would have been like. But it would have been understandable the way. Those like from a like from a macro perspective, it would have been like, "Who cares? They weren't right. being Golden State." Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. But he decided, you know, I'm I'm gonna turn it on and I'm gonna play amazing and I'm gonna beat the Celtics and it's gonna be a waste of time. He knew it was gonna be a waste of time, but he and in game one of the, the against the Warriors. He knew, like, look, I'm a. I knew, we, I knew we got no shot, but I'm gonna go out there and play as, as hard as I can. And give us a chance to win and see he what happens. He did, and they lost, and then I, that's when he laid down. He was like, yeah, right, yeah. him game. punching that wall was him quitting. Yeah, because he's like, this is ridiculous. Like, you yeah. know, like that was yeah. that was his way of quitting. Yeah. He didn't know at the time he probably, had, but he that had was it. Three, four rounds to do so. Right, he could have did it Indiana. Yeah, exactly. He could have been like, you know, screw this. I'm going to LA. So I think there's some value in like LeBron feeling like, 
Uh, he's got to win to. He's got to win, and I think he's ultra competitive. Like I don't think LeBron's a guy who's like wants to lose or like yeah. doesn't care about winning. I think he's ultra competitive and like he's on the basketball court with anybody. He wants to win. Yeah, but I think I do think that from a, a, a wider range, he feels like he's not going to invest himself in like these little, you know, Star Wars, uh, which I'm happy for. I'm actually real. I actually commend LeBron for that. Like I saw this and I was like, all right, that's cool. I'm also not convinced that this is. That's my only because he's been like the he's been the Darth Vader of the Star Wars. He's the Emperor. Yeah, Yeah, he's the Emperor. So the fact that he's decided to disengage from the Star Wars, Yoda, he maybe he feels like he's been one upped and he can't do anything anymore. I know there is word that he talked to uh, Kevin Durant about joining the Lakers. He says that he didn't have quote many conversations with Paul George. That means they had some conversations about him. So he he did not he completely disengaged himself. And maybe he looks at the situation and says, you know what? All right, whatever. I, I think. I'm the, I'm not convinced that LeBron is done with Star Wars. I think that he knows that the 2019 class is has guys that he'd rather have. Like, I think he's taking like a, I think he's taking a break. I don't think he's done completely. But yeah. I'm happy that at least for a year he's not gonna engage. Because he could have just like in just like when he went back to Cleveland, Kevin Love was the best guy on the market. No one. I mean, it wasn't a good fit. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't a great. It wasn't the best idea to bring Kevin Love. In terms of other superstars that were available, but or that were in the league, but Kevin Love was the best guy that was on the market, so they went out and got Kevin Love. LeBron could have done that this year and been like, "Well, Paul George is available; he's the best guy, so we gotta go out and get him." I have a weird question, um, because we keep assuming that LeBron. This I may sound stupid, but I'm not afraid to sound stupid on my own show. Um, are we sure LeBron can pull? Free agents? I think so. There is a feeling that there, there's there been a, a, a general sense around the league that guys are going to be lining up to play in L.A. And I guess you're saying that that may not be true. Well, I say that because he clearly it did not work with Paul George. They had some conversations, and Paul George said, uh, nah, I'm not going to OKC. Yeah. I don't know what the situation is with Kawhi Leonard, but he's not a Laker yet. Um, Boogie Cousins went to the Warriors. Maybe he didn't want Boogie Cousins. That's very possible. I think that's more likely. Uh, but for good reason. Given the Miami situation, the reason, why I, the reason why I bring that up is because the Miami situation in many ways was a complete perfect storm of two of his very close friends in the NBA. In the same draft class, yeah. And the same draft class that he played with on Team USA who enjoyed playing with him badly wanted to play with him as a regular season teammate. And therefore, he got all those three guys to join up in Miami. The 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 Cleveland situation, he didn't bring in anyone. Kevin Love was a... They traded for him. Yeah. Um, and Kyrie Irving was there. He never... He's, Kyrie didn't want LeBron. He's LeBron never recruited... Left. He's never recruited a free agent to Cleveland. Ever. Not, he's never not a guy got, that was that was younger than thirty five. Yeah, he's never <laughs> recruited a very good player to Cleveland. Yeah, that by free agency, whether that's because he didn't, he chose not to, or whatever. I don't know the situation, but he, no one's ever gone there because they were a free agent. LA is a lot different, but I'm just curious to see what kind of maybe I'm I'm, I'm poking the bear and I'm gonna see I'm gonna see the dream team the, the Lakers in two years. Yeah, but I am at least curious to see. Okay. Now that none of your friends are involved, maybe with Seth with Kevin Durant, I would say that's his only, like, elite player who's, like, a good friend of his, it seems like. 
right? Draymond Green, I think. Okay, those would be the two guys. Is there anyone Which else? Is weird because they're both from the Warriors. <laughs> Paul George was his friend for a while, but that seems like ice. Like, yeah, it seems to be a more icy relationship there. I can't think of in who terms else. of like guys that aren't like. I mean Ben Simmons. Yeah, I guess. Like guys that aren't like you know proteges. I mean, you have your Simmons. You know he's cool with Tatum. You know that kind of stuff, but. In terms of like guys that are like superstar guys right now, because like LeBron is not like all of his like peers are over the hill. Yeah, his Olympic all the, buddies are all yeah, gone. they're all gone, either retired or basically retired yeah, with how they're playing. Gone, yeah. So I'm curious to see now. Okay, LeBron trying to recruit the younger generation. How successful will he be? The name that the two names that come to mind that I feel like are good fits with LeBron they can find a way to get them, either one of them individually, Jimmy Butler and Damian Lillard. And those are the names, J- Damian Lillard especially, that have been thrown out there a lot with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And John Wall, he's close with, obviously. He's a close John Wall player. would also be in that class. Um, but, and a lot of, like I said, a lot of it comes down to Rich Paul, but um, when I look at Jimmy Butler, who's going to be a free agent next year, I don't know why Minnesota has traded him. They're only holding on to him because Thibodeau, that's the only guy I mean, I think, they, I think they probably look at their team and say, let's run him back with another year, more familiarity. And then let Jimmy Butler leave. He's I'm not, not saying it's smart. I'm just saying this is, what they're, this is what they're doing. And they say, look, we have the most money to offer him. Let's see what happens. I'm, okay, I'm not saying that's a smart idea. I'm just saying that's what they're saying me. probably. I mean, all these guys want money. But he doesn't strike me as the type that's going to stay in a miserable situation only because they can offer him an extra year. And a couple more million dollars. That seems to be accurate. I agree. He seems like a guy. Oh, I'll hop to New York or yeah. Brooklyn or L.A. or go back to Chicago before I. Gene Butler is a really interesting dude. Oh, it's, he, it's he, a shame that he's playing in Minnesota. Yeah, because no one knows. I mean, yeah, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he's very. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Yeah. Um, if you've seen him on any television show or any interview or whatever, but, um. I feel like that's a guy that I think would line up to play with LeBron next year if the opportunity arised. Um, and I think uh, Dame Lillard, because of the way he's wired and trying to be competitive and wants to win, I there's probably an appreciation as well. And we saw... I think those guys, from a, from a mentality standpoint, I could probably see doing it. Which is most important, I think. Right. And my thing is, look. Here's what I'll say. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say LeBron can't pull free agent because I. I'm gonna say that I don't know. Yeah. And maybe. And maybe that's crazy. Like there may be people listening to this podcast that say that's stupid. Maybe it is. I don't know. But, but LeBron, to, but I, that comes down to. But I do think it's. Well. I do think it is something to think about. That like, like uh, Kyrie Irving clearly didn't have that much fun playing with LeBron James, despite winning a championship, being in the finals every year. Didn't look like Kevin Love had much fun. Yeah, Kevin Love, I think, likes LeBron, but didn't, he didn't look like I was having a lot of fun playing with LeBron James. Uh, Chris Bosh, I don't think, would look back on his time with LeBron James and fondly. I don't think so. He I maybe think looks so. at. I think he looks at the rings, but I don't think he looks at. Really? I think so. After all the stuff LeBron throwing him under the bus, you think that he looks at? That's yeah, up. I mean, I think that's his boy. I, he would. Play, I think he wants to play on the Lakers. I but think if there he, was. If he could. I think it became I mean, very Rob interesting how, like, in the beginning with them, it was the three of them, and then he kind of removed himself from that threesome while they were in Miami. I don't think that was an accident. Became the last guy to stay. Yeah, and and stayed beyond those guys leaving and didn't doing feel like, well, oh, now now I gotta leave. Yeah, yeah I, like, I I think that there is a reason for that. Felt more comfortable. I I would say that's the probably the word. I think. 
probably wasn't comfortable playing with LeBron. Right, and he's talked. He, I mean, he's talked about yeah, it's the, tough. The struggles. He didn't yeah. blame LeBron or back. I'm, I'm not saying that they're voice. I'm not saying he dislikes saying. LeBron or hates voice. LeBron or looks at him and says, "Yo, if I see him in the street, I'm a two piece him like t- Trayvon got two piece by Tristan." I don't think it's anything like that. I yeah. think if he's all LeBron, they would hang think, out, I, have great. But I, I think in terms of him as a teammate, I don't think he thought he made a mistake though. No, I don't think so either. But that doesn't mean you still look back on it and say this was fun. Like I look back at my time and say, like you could say, you could be neutral about what happened. You're like, it was what it was. I won championships. I'm happy I won championships. I wouldn't have traded it away. There was stuff that I didn't like, but it is what it is. Yeah, I would say. That. I think that's what Chris Bosh's mentality was about his situation in Miami. Yeah. So, with those things being said, I'd say the only star that I could look at and say, oh yeah, he loved playing with LeBron was probably Dwayne Wade. Yeah. So then, who was his best friend in the NBA? So then I ask the question, well. He couldn't get Chris Paul to L.A. He could not get Chris Paul to L.A. Could not. Um, he, some reason, never been on the cup with Melo. There have been plenty of times where that seemed to be very possible, and it never happened. Did Melo have a chance Was it because Melo didn't want to play with him? Did, did he not want Melo? That certainly would be understandable with the Melo we've seen. But I'm shocked. I, I just think that that's a question that needs to be asked. I didn't plan on asking it on the show, but it's just something that, that dawned on me today. I'm shocked that the Lakers haven't become Team Banana Boat. They've got the banana uniforms. They've become <laughs> Team Banana Boat. So I you're mean, not a fan of the new, La- not a fan of new Laker uniforms? Well, I mean, they're they're fine. They're better than they were last year, I think. But I, when I look at... You just called them Banana Crew. So I, I, that yeah, sounds, yeah. It sounds like you're not Team that Team Banana Boat. they got the banana color uniforms. It is what it is. <laughs> but although I have seen there are some shots of, like, you know, Magic at, at this time. They did have some banana-looking... Uniforms for a couple of years, I think. Okay. For the most part, though, people remember a more gold-looking uniform. Um, but when I look at Chris Paul as a free agent, LeBron was a free agent, Mel was let out of his contract, and D. Wade's a free agent. How those guys... I mean, Chris Bosh has his health thing, but he's also a free agent. Um, how those guys haven't found a way to link up on the Lakers seems... I think there was a plan to do that, and I think it changed. I think there was an audible. You think there was a plan for all those guys to play on the Lakers? I think so. This year? Maybe not a plan, but like I think there may have been a loose like idea thrown out there, probably by the the fact that they all were free agents this year. I don't, I mean Melo wasn't contractually a free agent, he just got let out of his contract. But I think there may have been an understanding that there may be a possibility of multiple of those guys ending up in LA. And I think it fell through. Maybe because Chris Paul got so close to winning a championship. In Houston that he was like, he signed that one year. He took the option. Remember? Yeah. He could have signed long term last year. He opted in. Um, I don't agree. Uh, I, I think that, I, I don't think that that was the case. I don't know about all, I mean, all four of them, that just sounds crazy. And I don't think that, I, I don't, I, I don't think that LeBron was played with Dwayne Wade again. It did not go well. Again. Yeah. I don't think, he played with him this year. It did <laughs> not go well, man. Like, like yeah. I don't, I don't think he's fiending to play with Dwayne Wade again. Um, so I don't think that he was trying to play with him. Maybe him and Chris Paul maybe had an understanding. That I could see, maybe. That at the very least, yeah. But but the fact that none of them, I mean, Chris Paul's going to be with Melo probably, but the fact yeah. that none of those guys ended up in L.A. but LeBron surprises me. I, on face value, yes, it is a little surprising. But I think LeBron may also look at it and say, I'd be crazy to think that I can win Golden State dudes. with these dudes. Yeah. He would be, he would be crazy. <laughs> and like I said, we both think LeBron is a very smart basketball mind. Um, yeah, I think that's a question. That I, I, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. I think that that's something that... Uh, that has not really been approached because we haven't really 
because I would argue we haven't really seen it in action. Like we haven't really seen him engage yeah. in that. And the little with we the had Lakers. with him in Cleveland the first time he was there, it, he was unsuccessful. That he was very young, but the Lakers are obviously a different animal. It's the most high-profile NBA franchise in probably the best city to play, be a professional athlete in. Um, it's warm weather. It's Hollywood. I mean, there's there's so much there's going for it, yeah. which is why I look at the, what the team that he's playing. I see Michael Beasley and Lawrence Lance Stevenson pull up, and I'm like, what is going, what is going on? He's excited because he gets to film Space Jam 2 during every NBA game <laughs> next year. <laughs> They'll get plenty of B-roll footage. Uh, they have all the B-roll footage they'll need. The Warriors. Yeah, they have all the footage they'll need for Space Jam 2 whenever that movie comes out. Uh, this is going to be fun. Um, I do feel I'd be remiss not to mention Trump's tweet, number 45, on on uh, on LeBron saying that uh, that uh, he did an interview where Don Lemon, who's the, the quote, dumbest man in America, you think he called him? Yeah. Dumbest man on earth, whatever he said, yeah. uh, makes him look smart. It was tough to do, so insulting LeBron's intelligence there. Uh, there's something about I feel like one. I feel like he kind of proved LeBron's point honestly, because LeBron in that interview, in the same day, uh, the only other interview he did during that interview besides his like press conference at the school was the interview with Don Lemon, where he said that he felt that uh, 45 was using sport. Oh, he might have said it with Rachel. I don't know which one. I know he dissed Trump in, in the Don Lemon interview. I think with Rachel, he said that 45 was uh, was div- using sport to divide the country. And because he knows what sports meant to, meant to him and what it means to a lot of people in uniting people, that he couldn't stand quiet, which is why LeBron has been a vocal critic of Trump pretty much since he took office. Uh, I feel like he, he's proving LeBron's point by doing that. I mean, he's kind of divide, trying to divide... People by attacking LeBron. So once again, using sport to kind of divide and conquer. And I do think that it's kind of a sad place we're in where, you know, LeBron is a, I'm not going to call him a private citizen because he's, you know, a celebrity superstar. But, a public figure. Yeah. yeah, he's a public figure. But you have an American citizen who's being randomly attacked by the president at, on a week where he's he's helping young kids. That that does set a bad example. And for I guess my question, Kendall, is how do we in sports cover this kind of behavior from the president? And when it's linked to athletes like LeBron James um, in this kind of bizarre back and forth that we now have that's happening on a regular basis. Like, I feel like we couldn't avoid talking about it on the show because it's so huge. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... It's uh, well, I mean, when 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 these when when people talk about this stuff, it only plays into his uh, only plays into the strategy of using LeBron or whoever to uh, distract people, and it's a shiny object. Um, so I don't know. Uh, LeBron, he uh, he built his school, and Trump felt. This was a good time to LeBron had, you know, people were talking about his political career as a possibility. Mm, that's which, a good point. I didn't think about that. And you felt it was a good time to, because uh, LeBron hasn't done anything besides the the you bum tweet. He hasn't really done it. He said things about Trump, but hasn't done anything on a high profile level that is, 
uh, picked a fight. Um, this is the closest thing. It then never picked a fight, but it was the closest thing you've done to try and, um, you know, affect uh, anything on the po- on the political spectrum. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely. I do. I do think is a good point that this like LeBron. I don't think has been trying to pick a fight with the president recently. <laughs> I think that uh, yeah, he answered question that he was asked this week, but I do feel like in a situation where we have the situation we have in Flint, we have an opioid crisis, we have um, kids being gunned down in schools. It's just, it's unfortunate that like our conversations involving the president and sports are, it's just nonsense, you know? And, um, and I do think it's, it, it does speak to sports fans being like, you know, where do you stand when uh, the president continues to attack almost almost exclusively black athletes you know like there's whether it's the lebron james whether it's the warriors whether it's um uh the nfl players who kneel all those people we're talking about are all black athletes and 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 the fact that there's an obvious um there's an obvious like uh singling out that's happening as that's why when we talk about the kneeling situation as sports fans, do we say, "Oh, well, let's just move on and be ever like"? There's a certain, there's an obvious societal uh, impact that's detrimental if we just act like it's normal, because it's not. And this is a, a very rough time to be in. It's sad that this has happened, but I do once again salute LeBron for uh, the, the work he's doing in Akron, Ohio, with the school, and like he does a lot of really great um, uh, philanthropy work that he should be probably more discussed. They've been talking about it all week. Do you think that the school and um, the work that he's done that we've seen over the course of, of the years he's been in the league, he's been very outspoken about uh, social issues. Do we think that that improves his legacy? I wanted to ask you this. I know I didn't have it in the rundown, but I forgot to put it in our rundown. Uh, I mean, nah. I mean, no. I, mean, I, I disagree. I mean, I, I think it'll, it'll, it might help his legacy. I mean, if we're talking legacy, all. I think Space Jam Two will help his legacy if it's, if it's a good movie. You know what I mean? It's in terms of basketball. I don't think it helps his legacy. It would help his legacy would be whether or not he wins another championship, another MVP. But um, if we're looking at LeBron's life, I think it'll help his legacy. But but, you, but I I would disagree because I feel like Jim Brown and Bill Russell's legacies are absolutely improved because of their work with involving social justice. Like I, that's not all yeah. people. You know, so I don't, from I don't a sports perspective, do we look at Bill Russell and do we ever bring that up when we compare him to Will Chamberlain? I I never think about it. I think about he's got ten. I mean, that's a very spe- that's, that, that's a very specific question. Well, I I say it only because Will Chamberlain doesn't have that type of track record. But people are doing it in this LeBron MJ argument. They're doing it. They've been doing it before this week. Using I, LeBron's, I, I, I mean, we never brought it up when we've, when we've debated. Because I don't think it's, show. I don't think it's relevant. <laughs> you know, I've never, I've never. Which is why, but that's the thing, though, Kendall, is that what we do is doesn't really matter. I'm talking about just his his legacy is his legacy. It's an, now we talking about an objective an athlete or thing that person. I'm just saying we look back. I'm saying his legacy. You know, yeah, I'm being very generic because that's what we're. It's, it's on purpose. I'm being generic about it. Right. Just what is his legacy? We 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 think LeBron James of athlete, so therefore you're thinking athlete, which is why I don't know. Like, unless he does something 
like become a politician or something that's on it's even more high profile than this. But I just feel like that will right. That'll affect his legacy. But I just feel like the other examples we have, they've all their legacy has been improved by. No, I mean like Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali. I I can't remember. Like, well, I know what you're saying. Like, obviously, it improves it. But my thing is, like, I can't remember an athlete who has been involved in social justice, and we don't include it when we talk about their legacy. That's fair. So when I see LeBron's legacy and we say, does this enhance it, I say it has to. Because, one, I think it should. I think if you're a great person, I think that should be part. Not to say that, oh, because he did this, he's better than Michael Jordan. That's different. That's a different argument. But that's why I just said his, improve his legacy. I'm not saying that means – I don't think that it's fair to say that because he's done this, he's better than Michael Jordan as a basketball player. That doesn't make any sense. But in terms of just overall legacy, and I think sometimes when we talk about the greats of the GOAT, the GOAT conversation, that's part of it. I'm looking at our post of Muhammad Ali we have in this in, – in, in, in the gamer chamber here, and, you know, he was obviously an unbelievable boxer, but then other, other believable boxers as well. But it was – the his impact his impact on standing up for social justice and racial equality that made him uh that made him the goat so that's why i, I asked that question why i feel i think that it, it will enhance his legacy and good for him i mean I, i'm not there's no i think that that what he's done has been great and i i hope that he continues to be outspoken on these issues um tough segue to go from there to mr jacob de but we're gonna do it anyway um so, Jacob DeGrom, Mets starter, is posting. Uh, he's having an unbelievable season. He posted another stellar start that unfortunately came in another loss to the Atlanta this week. He pitched eight innings, gave up only two earned runs, but it was not enough as the Mets lost again, making that record 44-63 and last in the NL East. In his last five starts, DeGrom has gone eight innings in four of them, According to SIY reporter Steve Gelb, shout out to him. Of course, the people at SNY, they do great work over there. Uh, of course, they cover the Mets, if you don't know, if you're from another place in New York City, uh, other than New York City. Uh, that span, uh, in that span of the f- four out of five starts where he's gone at least eight innings, Kendall, his ERA is 1.85. He has 39 strikeouts, but his record is 0-3. Um, during the season, the Braves are 5-0 and against Jacob DeGrom. Despite the fact that the ground ERA in those games are 1.09. The Braves right now are one of the top teams. I think they're in first place in the NL East. Uh, he leads the National League in ERA in wins above replacement and second in whip, but his re- overall record is 5-7. and seven. Kendall, should the ground be the front runner for the Cy Young? No. That's insane to me. No. Yeah, for, you're not the only person making That's this case. completely insane. For me, I look at when I look at a lot of these awards, I look at multiple things. Obviously, statistics are important, especially for pitchers. Um, but I also look at precedent, and I look at uh, your peers. And when I look at Jacob Degrom, you talk about uh, the ERA way ahead of every, everyone else. You talk about um, you know the strikeout numbers. Uh, he's first and second in almost every statistical category, mostly first in most of the categories. But the one that just ruins it for me is the win the win loss record. And I understand in baseball, you know, seventy five percent of that is not on the pitcher. You know, the pitcher can be amazing, they still lose games. But for me, I look at when I'm giving an award out like that, I want to give it to two guys that would be 
that also impact winning. And for me, I look at Max Scherzer, who in Washington has his team playing well, um, not as well as they would have liked, but individually, even if his team isn't winning the National League East, they are. he's winning his games, he's winning his pitching performances, which for me holds weight. Um, I even look at another guy in the NL East, Aaron Nola, another pitcher mm-hmm. who, while he's not, his team, they've overachieved maybe from where they were last year, he's not winning games, uh, their team isn't winning games. No, they're terrible too. But he has a, a winning record. I believe, I want to say he's got, I think he's like 12-3 and three or something like mm-hmm. that. If the Phillies, I mean, if the Phillies, have, they, they've, haven't been, they haven't been spectacular, but at the same time, I'm sorry, no, they're good. They're in first place. Oh, in first place. I think you're talking about, I don't know why I got Marlon. Marlon, yeah. <laughs> you're thinking of, uh, I don't know, you might be thinking of the other dude. I don't know, Ricky Nolasco. Yeah, know. I don't know. Nola Nolasco. Yeah, <laughs> no, Nola yeah. has been great on a yeah. very good team. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but Aaron Nola is 12-3. and three. I, I thought about that in my head. I was like, how's he 12-3 and three in his team? Right, yeah, Like no, the worst team made, in the NL. That, that made no sense. That makes no sense. But uh, he's 12-3. and three. Um... Has a top three ERA in the NL, only behind, I believe, DeGrom and Scherzer. And those two guys, for me in particular, I believe Scherzer, I want to say, has double-digit wins as well. That, for me, gives me the edge over someone like DeGrom, who their numbers, while his ERA is well ahead of Scherzer, their numbers in almost every other category are very much comparable, and his team is winning games. Scherzer right now is fifteen and five on the season. Fifteen and five. He's, he's going to win twenty games. Three three ERA. Yes, he's on track to probably win twenty games. Aaron Nola, he's twelve and three. As Kendall said, two point three five ERA. And, and my last point is that I believe uh, Scherzer leads the NL strikeouts. Does he lead the NL? I believe so. Yeah. My last point is that let me go through the NL and AL Cy Young Award winners of the last. I don't know. Let's say like I'll just run through them and I'll stop at a point where you, you get it. Last year, we had Scherzer, he had 16 wins. Year before that, Scherzer, 20 wins. Year before that, Arietta, 22. Year before that, Kershaw, Kershaw, 21. Year before that, Kershaw, 16. Ari Dickey, 20. Kershaw, 21. Halle, 21. Tim Lincecum, 15. Tim Lincecum, 18. PV, 19. AL, Kluber, 18. Uh, last year, Rick Porcello, 22. Dallas Keuchel, 20. Corey Kluber, 18. Max Scherzer, 21. David Price, 20. Verlander, 24. Uh, Felix Hernandez, 13. That's the number that... This, to me, this, season reminds me, this season reminds me of the Felix Hernandez season. That's the only precedent that's been set of a guy in the last, like, 10 years w- w- winning less than 15 and, games. And, I mean, if, if DeGrom got the 13 wins, I think that'd be shocking. That's which is, He's at which five is, right now. Which is, why, five and seven. which is why I don't know if he can win it. If he, if he gets to 10 wins, that'd be impressive. Um, the last guy to win with that, with with less than ten wins is Eric Gagne <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> a closer. Um, I, I sorry, Kendall. I, I get what you're saying. Here's, let me get out the only thing that I would say is a good point as to why he should not win. The argument would be he's not pitching in games that mean anything because the Mets have been out of it for a very long time. That would be very accurate. I can't really argue against that, other than. Like, I mean, the Braves needed to win last night. They're, you know, I said they were in first place. They were, you know, they're like, they're in second place. They're only a half game back. But Philly? Yes. 
So, I mean, they need to win. So these teams, every those five games the Braves played against them, the Braves need to win all of them. And they've won them, but it's been by scoring one run. Literally. I don't know if a non-closer has ever, from what I can see, a non-closer has never won with less than 10 wins. I would, that would be shocking if they did. Uh, yeah, I would probably think that. Not in, like, the modern era, at least. Yeah, I would be, I, I, I'm, yeah, exactly. Well, the modern era, I mean, the Cy Young Award, it probably is only in the modern era because the name's yeah. out there. Yeah, right. yeah. Six, who six, did not play the minor ever? Yeah, from where I can see, no, yeah, no pitchers won with less than twenty wins. One do one with thirty-one. I just think that baseball is different. How many wins? Thirty-one wins. Danny McLean, second Cy Young Award winner. That's crazy. These guys were just—they were just pitching every day. Yeah, and well, they were—they <laughs> were pitching until the night. They were just throwing complete games. Yeah, exactly. it's like you know when they were getting a decision, win, lose, or draw. So like it didn't matter. There was if no bull- games. There was no bullpen involved. Yeah. those guys were throwing one hundred and sixty pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. But, uh, no, I just think that when I look at DeGrom, I just feel like win-loss record is a terrible way to judge how a pitcher is performing. It's archaic. It's it's old. It's yeah. It doesn't, anti-analytics. It does, it has, I understand it, all that. It has nothing. The win-loss record has almost nothing to do with how well the guy pitches. Because you, you could pitch terribly and have a win. And the you numbers. Could unbelievably have a loss. And the numbers suggest that DeGrom pitches unbelievably and loses. Right, yeah. I mean, every he, other statistics. He has yeah. not beaten the Braves once this year, and his ERA is one point oh nine. Uh, if there's any sport where you, the person's win loss record is more incumbent upon his supporting cast, it's starting pitching more than any other sport. But I also look at Degrom is the all star of his team. He's right. probably the franchise player along with No Syndergaard. Right. There is something, to, and while he doesn't pitch every day, there is something to at least the games that he's pitching. Does he and through does he put some sort of confidence in the rest of his guys that the offense plays a little better? I don't know. That, I don't think that that seems very intangible. You I don't. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. It's not like it's not that. like LeBron James, where like oh he 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 like, like, if, he can't help. That's my thing. If LeBron was averaging. 40 he can't points help Conforto at the plate. Like he can't <laughs> help these guys who are striking out every time. Who can't get who keep I don't hit, know, man. he can't help Rosario hitting the double plays all the time. Like he you can't he can't. There's nothing he can do about that. LeBron can get J.R. Smith good looks. Right. You know, LeBron can get Tristan Thompson some easy dunks. DeGrom can't help these guys, you know, who hit the ball in the gap to, to score in he can stop them two, or three, scoring, two or three runs from winning. He is. They only score in one or two runs these last few. And they're losing games. But my thing is Aaron Nola or Scherzer, if they were on the Mets, they right. would have these same issues. They're not even pitching as good as him. And Probably. they would still also be in situations where they would be losing every game. Probably. So I feel like the circumstance shouldn't penalize his case for the Cy Young. But I could say and that there, about. No one would argue that he's pitched the best in the National League. But I could say that about. I mean, if LeBron were in Houston as opposed to James Harden, would LeBron have won MVP? Possibly. You know, maybe he would have had the same numbers as Harden. Maybe he would have had the same win-loss record. Right. Um, you know, I, I feel like I say that about a lot of athletes in a lot of different sports, that if you put them in another situation, team sports at least, but that's why I replace say, them with the MVP. Because the MVP isn't always the best player. But that's why I say If DeGrom the best pitcher pitching, in baseball, I probably... That's why I think it's a bad example, because pitching is so much different than other sports. It's very individual. It's yeah. so individually... It's such an individual thing where, yes, you can impact winning because if you pitch well, in theory, your team should have a great chance to win. But if your team is such a poor-hitting team, it doesn't matter how well you pitch. And if we're trying to give an award to say who pitched the best this year, who was the best pitcher in the National League, and say because his team was bad, therefore he wasn't the best pitcher, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know, man. I'm just saying 
I haven't looked year in and year out to see, you know, I'm sure if I go back to all those years, who had the best ERA, who maybe even had the best numbers. There were probably plenty of years. Felix Hernandez was the best pitcher in the AL for most of those years I mentioned. He only won it once. You know, like, a lot of times the best pitcher isn't always the guy that wins it because, unfortunately, they don't get the run support and they can't always... I Now, I can't go back and look and see every year who... Where who was leading in ERA? I'm sure a lot of those years it was the, the Cy Young Award winner, but some of those years it just went to a guy who was on a really good team. If Scherzer gets to 20 wins, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him to to not win. Now we've had 20. But years. why are we giving him credit for getting to 20 wins if his team is trash? But just because he had better hitters is the only reason why he's getting more wins. He's on a bad team too. But the he's only winning di- his games. Though. The only difference is that his team I, hits. He only plays the every only fifth difference. day. He only plays every fifth day. So he, I can't tell. I can't say when you know Strasburg pitches or whoever else is pitching for Washington, they're not winning games. I can't. I can't but the only reason, Kendall, the I, only I, reason that he's winning is, but the only reason why he's winning is because his team is hitting. Like, you don't get what I'm saying. His like best players having the worst year of his career. But no, but overall, his the National offense is a zillion times better than the Mets' offense. Yeah, right. So right. when you look at it and say, well, he's winning his games, it's like, yeah, but his team is still terrible. Because, yeah, technically the, the only reason why they're winning any games is because they have some hitting. Fair. I It's just tough because you take these guys and put them in different situations. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't give you the ballpark metrics, but maybe the ballpark is in the ground favor. I mean, there are other City aspects. City Field is a – I mean, okay. There are, as, there are other aspects that may take – I mean – Obviously, Mickey Mickey Callaway is not a favorite of Met fans, but yeah, he's got a, he's got a terrible manager. Um, Degrom got, does out. He has no no hitting, no run support at all. Degrom outdoes. Uh, I mean, uh, Scherzer outdoes him in innings pitched. Yeah, in strikeouts. Um, does that affect the ERA at all? No. I mean, if you're play, if you're pitching more innings. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, a little bit. It's not like he's pitching. It's not like he's pitching a bunch more innings. But I mean, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's about, he's about, he's, it's eight. It's about a game. It's yeah. Eight innings in between them, and LeGrom missed the start. So really, they're like even. Because LeBron missed one start during the season, and there was one game where he pitched like one inning. Right. So that's not like so. That's like so. That's like that's the semantics as to the sure situation. Right. Arguably, LeGrom, if he would have. Pitch those two games where one game he didn't pitch, one game he pitched one inning. He'd have more innings. He would lead in the league in national in average innings, innings per game. Is probably He's probably right. higher. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I would I would look at those two guys only because they're winning. Now there is a limit. I, I I'm not just gonna say that you could have a four ERA but just luck your way into twenty wins and. But because those guys are so close and comparable, I think, in other statistical categories that I'm going to take the guy with 15 wins over the guy with five. I mean, that's 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 10, that's but, a 10 win But my argument is that Kendall, nothing, Scherzer did nothing to ensure that his team got him those wins. When you, if we're comparing him to DeGrom, there's nothing he did that ensured that they're going to hit more for me. Therefore, I mean, I, I mean I, he's actually a pretty good sw- uh, hitter. Yeah. So maybe he has some RBIs in there. Or I don't. I don't know his yeah. batting numbers this year. Or that should. But that has nothing to do with pitching. Yeah, it has nothing to do with sight. So un- like other than whatever he's done with the bat, he's done nothing besides pitch well to ensure that he gets a win. The Grom is pitched better than him, but he can't do anything because the Mets, he has no hitting. The Mets clubhouse has been a joke this year. 
Yeah, this has you been know, this a lot of that's on Mickey Cowell. This has been a disaster. But, this has been one of the worst Met seasons I've. This is how type ineptitude. Right. It's terrible. But it, which is surprising because they started the year off. They won the like every game. Ever. Yeah, the best they've ever <laughs> in franchise history. Maybe next but, year we need to lose the first eleven games, yeah, and then we'll be around. we'll be great. <laughs> but does some of that fall on the best player on the team? No, baseball. Baseball is baseball is different than other sports. It's not the same. There's nothing about Degrom that's the reason why they're losing. There's nothing about wh- what could we possibly blame him for? Are there why he has five wins? Are there intangible factors that have to be weighed in? I don't know. Maybe Degrom is is hated in the locker room. He's not. I mean, I don't know. But he's not though. <laughs> You're just making something <laughs> you up. Know, like Demarcus Cousins. But he's not Demarcus, Demarcus Cousins. Demarcus Cousins is it's statistically best player in the league. But nobody wanted him because nobody wants. It's, it, there's, a, there's a no boogie policy according to uh, Ennis Cantor around the league, a no cousins policy, where teams were just like, I want nothing to do with this guy, partially because of injury, but probably mostly because the guy is a complete, you know, malcontent. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that Jacob DeGrom is DeMarcus Cousins. He's clearly point, not. I, yeah, he probably isn't. But my point is, maybe it's a deal where there are some intangible factors that have to be also weighed in as to why his team's not winning games. I understand statistically his team is bad. And they're not getting the run, he's not getting the run support, but all these guys are major league players. Now he doesn't have Bryce Harper on his team. So you saying that's 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 saying a lot for the Mets. Yeah, Tim Tebow's almost. Yeah, Tim Tebow's on track. He's about to get moved up before he, he got hurt. He's on track to make the team. I don't know. I obviously you can tell for me. I just weigh the the fifteen win mark where, like you said, he'll he has a good chance to get to twenty. Whereas the Grom at this pace might not get to ten. Is that that that's the that's the factor for me? I I just I can't I can't imagine I can't I can't say you're not the best pitcher because your team didn't help you. Kobe didn't win MVP when he averaged thirty five points. Gave but it that's but the NBA award isn't best NBA player. It's MVP. There's a, there's a nationally MVP. I would agree that Degrom shouldn't win that award. But when you're talking about the Cy Young, which is for the top pitcher in your league. I can't say you weren't the top pitcher because your team didn't hit for you when you pitched. Right. That does that to me. Like I just don't see how that commu- that com- that computes. The only argument I I see as to why I would someone wouldn't vote for the Grom is to say, well, because his team is so out of it, his games don't mean as much. Therefore, you're pitching with less pressure. I get that. I think that that's a fair argument. I just think that his performance this year has been so much better than everyone else, regardless of the record. I think that yes. The, the whip numbers, the strikeout numbers, Scherzer's right there. But the ERA, which at the end of the day is about making sure the other team doesn't score, I, I look at that, and it's so much better than everyone else. I mean, if he was – if his name wasn't Jamie DeGrom, he was Pedro Martinez, you, we wouldn't know the difference because that's how crazy his numbers are this year. Like, I can't imagine that, like, Pedro could have this kind of year and we wouldn't give him the Cy Young. I think part of it is that DeGrom is kind of an unknown. You know, He's, 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 he's only been an All-Star a couple of times. Hasn't won it yet. Hasn't won a World Series. Hasn't won a Cy Young before. Uh, he's a great player, but I think that he's still relatively unknown to the large masses in terms of just basic sports fans. I, I think that it would be a shame that if he continues to pitch this way, if he has a, like, sub, look, he has a, a sub-two ERA and he doesn't win the Cy Young, that's an embarrassment to the people who are voting for the baseball, baseball uh, look, uh, awards this year. I, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. I remember the Giants were not great when Tim Lincecum won it. I believe it was 09. 
we won it twice, he, he, or he won it twice. He won it one year with 18 wins. I think the second year when he won it with 15, I don't think we were a great team. I don't think we made the playoffs, but Linscombe was easily the best pitcher in the NL. Right. I was out there saying, look, Linscombe, he should be Cy Young. He's the best pitcher in baseball. I understand we may not be a playoff team, but Linscombe deserves this award. He got it. Um, but he also was 15-7. and seven. It's a lot different than being 7-15. and 15. Now, I'm not saying DeGrom can be 7-15, but I, I just I take a lot into you got to at least get to a certain number. Even if your team's not in the playoffs, even if your team, if you don't have 20 wins, not every guy's got to get 20 wins. Or you have to be but so incredible. That, but this is obviously an abnormal situation. It's, I mean, look, do you feel like his numbers are so incredible that regardless of how many wins he has? Yes, I do. I'm a Mets fan, so I put that out there. But his starts, he is so dominant that – it's just again. It's just not fair to me that he is not the top pitcher for the award because he doesn't get hit people to hit for him. That has nothing to do with him. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm looking at this list. I see a lot of twenty, twenty wins. That's guys. nice. Those guys had great run support. But no, I guarantee you, I, I could put those guys' numbers up next to the Groms right now, and they would not be as good. Some of them, most of them, probably. The. Because you got luckier to be on a good team, that means you win the side. Young, how's that make any sense? Man, Ari Dickey won it. He's twenty wins. He had a two point seven three ERA. He had twenty wins. Right. He was fortunate enough to have much better run support. But I just think that baseball, and I hope the writers look at this, is a much more nuanced sport, and there's so much more data that goes into it. That if they just look at the what I think is the most archaic way to, to judge a pitcher in wins and losses, and says that that's the reason why Degrom shouldn't get the side Young, that would be extremely disappointing. Uh. Let's move on to the NFL because the preseason is officially underway after the Bears and Ravens played in the Hall of Fame game this week. Some storylines in that game included an impressive performance by Robert Griffin III, uh, flashes of athletic brilliance, albeit shaky throwing from Lamar Jackson, rookie first-round pick for the Ravens, and what was a very questionable uh, personal foul uh, penalty that was thrown, which is kind of giving people on edge as to what the refereeing will be like this season when in terms of some of the... Uh, uh, you know, defenseless receiver targeting rules that we will see this year. Uh, Kendall, now that the preseason is here, what are some of your thoughts on the storylines that you will be keeping an eye on? Mm. Uh, I mentioned last week the whole deal with Roquan Smith, how he still hasn't signed his contract. Um, I mean, I also mentioned Sam Darnold. He got his contract. Roquan Smith has not. Um, they're just fighting over whether or not Roquan Smith should get paid if he gets suspended for, uh, I believe it's a new rule where he gets suspended now for certain on-field hits and penalties. If he does get suspended, Roquan Smith is saying, I still want my contract. Uh, I don't know why it's even negotiable. I feel like maybe it's something with the Player Association where if you instill a new rule that, like that, like it has to be negotiated between the team and the player. I'd say, well, if I was a running back, I'd be very scared by <laughs> the fact that Roquan Smith trying to ensure he gets paid yeah, while he, when he makes illegal hits. Yeah, I know, right? Because you've seen Roquan Swift play. That dude is a violent yeah. hitter. Um, but I go back to what I said last week about, man, if you drafted Roquan Smith in the top ten, I'm not fighting him over a couple thousand dollars, a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm the Chicago Bears. They're a historic franchise made billions of billions, worth billions of dollars. Makes no sense for them to be fighting over this. But um, other than that, 
I mean, obviously, as a Vikings fan, I'm very excited to see what Kirk Cousins looks like if he even plays. <laughs> Assuming he even plays in the preseason. And just the rest of the rookies. I saw Lamar Jackson play. Thought he was impressive. Um, as, as a backup, I don't think he should start week one, but as a backup, I think he's fine. Um, but I want to see the way Darnold looks. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley... Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, all these guys. I expect Josh Rosen to look the best out of all of them now. Um, I think there are a couple situations that fascinate me. Um, one involves your Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I want to see what, what Kirk Cousins is going to do. This is a team that was extremely good last year. Where, where, the, where, the, uh, where the, the popular pick to, to be the team that is not good this year, that was good last year. It's been the, the narrative around the Vikings, which I hope motivates these guys. They say we're not a one-year well, Of course, wonder. you have the infamous, and shout out to Rod DeRay, of course. He always brings it up. And it is a, is a good point, and no one, everyone seems to forget it. That first-place schedule is it's a tough, thing. Yeah. Because that means the game, that extra game that you have in your schedule, those extra two games in your schedule that aren't just the teams in your division and the other division you're playing in the, in the other conference are against first-place teams from last year. That's two games that maybe in another year would be wins become toss-ups perhaps or if injuries someone the wrong guy gets hurt in your team they become losses so that is something that's important i know a lot of people are looking at the packers to maybe take back the division this year so i'm curious to see okay this is a very good team last year a team that was excellent on the defensive side of the ball that was very um efficient offensively they did not turn the ball over they they uh they continued to move the change uh but they felt they need upgraded at, at quarterback despite a strong season they got last year from Case Keenum. How much of an upgrade is Kirk Cousins, and what kind of numbers will he put up? Dalvin uh, Cook coming back as well. Yeah, and they have Dalvin Cook coming back, who he was supposed to be a big pack factor in what they did last year. Looked great when he was out there. And then he got hurt. Yeah. So the Vikings, I think, are actually a pretty interesting team to watch. Of course, Philadelphia is an interesting team to watch because I look at the Eagles, Kendall, and – it's, when you look at the team, there's kind of no reason to believe why they shouldn't be one of the top teams in the NFC. And I look at them and I see a, a division that I think is right for the taking still. I don't think that the Cowboys are any good. The Redskins, I think, end up being one of the worst teams in the conference. And the Giants, who won four games last year, are the team that people are looking at as the Eagles' possible challengers. Yeah. I mean, I love Saquon Barkley. I hope that Odell Beckham comes back healthy and is ready to ball. But... That team still had a million issues, and it didn't really address that many of them, other than running back. And then people saying this is a team that's going to challenge Philly, who won a World I, Super Bowl, I think the Giants, World Championship. And that's that's something that I look at for Philly, and I say there's no reason why you can't continue to dominate that division. But do you have the maturity? Do you guys have the hunger still to do that after what was such an emotional roller coaster ride last season that ended in the Super Bowl? I think the Giants may have the best running back wide receiver combination outside of Pittsburgh in the league. Um, with Better than Devontae and Julio? Mm, that's tough. I think so. I think Barkley... That's very close to I think Barkley's going to come in and be a top five, top six back from day one. Which is I mean, high, high praise because... I tend to agree. I'm trying to see why I wouldn't agree. I can't think of a reason I mean, that's, why. I mean, it's rare to see rookies. I mean, Elliot came in like that. And Todd Gurley pretty much came in like that. But, I mean, there's also the Reggie Bushes of the world that take some time to yeah. adjust. Or um, never adjust your Reggie yeah, Bush, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it took Bush a while to even become a competent NFL running back. But, uh, I don't know, I look at the Giants and I'm like, if that is the case, if Barkley is that good, then, I mean, at least it's probably at least top three of that category, then, man, they're going to be tough offensively. Now, the question is, how's their secondary, how's the O-line? I mean, is Eli Apple, is his head going to be screwed on straight? Uh, you know Landon Collins is going to be uh, dynamite like he's been his yeah, entire he's career. Yeah, um, But I don't know. The Giants, I, I think they, they can't be worse than they were this year. So they'll be much improved because they're bringing in two nuclear weapons with Odell Beckham and Saquon. Well, they had Beckham for the first for four or five games they had him last year, and they, they lost struggled. every game. Yeah, they struggled. They um, lost every game. They didn't have Saquon Barkley, man. They did not. They, they had Eli, no, no dimension. year older. They had no dimension in the run game last year. I know. The offensive line is still a question mark. Still weak, yeah. Eli's a year older after being benched. There's a lot of hype around this Giants team. I want to believe it. I, I just, I'm very, very worried about the hype that's around them because they have two very flashy, exciting players. But the rest of the team, I don't know if they're, they're, the infrastructure is there, which is why I think for Philly – I, it, it would be very disappointing if they can't continue to dominate that division to me. Staying on the on the, on the the uh, theme of how you handle success, I think that two other teams also play very close attention to how they handle success are the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Rams. These are two teams that I also feel are in terrible divisions. Uh, there's no reason why those teams shouldn't repeat as division champs, but they have very young rosters, very um, inexperienced coaches, and I look at those teams and I say, how do you handle now being in the spotlight? I don't know what the you know national TV schedule is, but I know the Rams are going to be on national TV a lot more. I know the Jaguars are going to be on national TV a lot more. And these are teams that snuck up on people last year and ended up having incredible seasons. But what happens when teams are ready for you now? And uh, both teams, of course, have young quarterbacks, especially the Rams with, uh, with, with Goff. The Rams have an issue with Aaron Donald and him not getting his money. When will he return? If he, Whenever he decides to show up at camp, will he return if they don't pay him? Um, and, with the, of course, with the Jaguars, that offense is still a question mark. They decide to do another year of Bortles. What does that look like? Does he improve? Does he? If he doesn't improve, can the defense continue to bail him out like he did last year over and over again with yeah. a much tougher schedule? Those are big questions to have. So, for me, I think the theme for me is how do these teams that kind of came out of nowhere, handled the success they had last year, and handled a tougher schedule. Look at the Vikings, look at the Eagles, look at the Jaguars, look at the Rams. Those are all very, very important teams, I think, to look at in this preseason. And um, But I'm excited. I'm excited for football season to start. Yeah, we'll probably have a preview coming up next yeah, week. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, so we'll be talking more about this stuff more in depth. Quickly, Kendall, before we get to the end of the show, college football's top 25 came out. Little to no surprise, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, defending national champs, they come in at number one. Coach's poll uh, also has Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma round out the top five in that order. Clemson to Ohio State three, Georgia four, Oklahoma five. The other notables in the top 25 include my Miami Hurricanes at number eight, uh, Penn State at number nine, Notre Dame at number 11, Michigan at 14, and Texas at 21. Kendall, any of these rankings stand out to you? Did they get it right? They're obviously, EJ, every year there's – Teams that overachieve, there's teams that underachieve. Yeah, there's, um, usually there's like a team who's not even in ranking that becomes like a team that could yeah, make the playoffs. Yeah, it's like, it's a top like 10 crazy. Team. Yeah, and generally the team like in the Miami top last 10 year. 
Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Generally, the team in the top ten that in, even in the top twenty-five by the end of the year. Um, I'm gonna look at in the top ten. I'm going to say I'm gonna say Washington won't be that good this year. I'm say Washington will fall off a little bit. Uh, I still got Jake Browning. Do have Jake Browning back? I think the Pac-12 is gonna be a little tougher. Um, right. And I think a team that might be a little under the radar that they could jump up. I'm going to look at. I think USC might be improved this year. Mm. I'm gonna go with USC. I mean, they have them at 15. That's already pretty high praise. Um, I guess I'm looking at the Pac-12. I think <laughs> there's a good chance USC might come out of the Pac-12, whereas I think Washington could very well struggle. Um, also, UCLA didn't even get any votes. I think UCLA might not be that bad this year. You know, they're that. they're losing. Uh, they, of course, Rosen. they lost Josh Rosen, and they yeah. weren't even that good with Josh Rosen. Yeah. So you think they? I think look, Chip Kelly. I just think that Chip Kelly he needs a year to like figure everything out. Though he didn't in Philly. Didn't in Philly. Um, didn't really at Oregon. Although he inherited a very good team at Oregon. Um, he's one of those coaches. I put him in the Urban Meyer, in the. Uh, even Jim Harbaugh category of like, he can turn this thing around in a year. I mean, I think in terms of not national championship turn yeah. around, but top twenty five. I just around. think that his system is and everything they do is so different than whatever Jim Mar was trying to accomplish at UCLA. That I just don't know if one year is enough to get his guys ready to play. I mean, UCLA had many issues. Their defense was they couldn't stop anyone. The offensive line wasn't great. Um, that's just a, and, and then of course now you have new scheme, new way of life. When we play for Chip Kelly, it's not just new scheme. I mean, he literally changes everything about your life, your sleeping habits, your eating habits, your workout habits, your lifestyle habits. Everything changes when you're playing for Chip Kelly. I, that just seems like something that is not going to get fixed in a year with all the issues that you still had to fix. Upon even more came back, they had many issues they had to figure out including how to replace Josh Rosen. So I can't say UCLA is going to be much of a factor. I think in terms of teams, a team who may be a little overrated in this rating, um, I kinda, I'm kind of i not sure about OU at number five. That seems a little high to me. Baker Mayfield was so much of everything they did. The Kyler Murray storyline would be hilarious. Kyler Murray is a, a very talented kid. We know he's a top first-round pick in baseball. We think he's going to be the starting quarterback. But obviously this guy has greener pastures, potentially, with what he could do in baseball. Do you think they'll have a quicker uh, leash with Kyler Murray because of that? No, this is uh, That's a good question. Um, he has no future in the program, for all we know. Will they say? Right, because you think after this year he's going to play baseball, right? Yeah, it's been agreed upon. That is being agreed yeah, upon. Yeah, play one year, maybe. Which, again, why? Makes no sense. But regardless. Why can't he play football? And, like, did they just not want him to play football? I think, yeah, they agreed. Like, we'll let you play one year. Because my thing is, like, you know, uh, what's the name did it? Samarja. Yes. But, yes, they don't care. But even Samarja, I think, had, he might have only played, like, one year, I think. He might have been a senior when he got drafted. Or, like, a junior, something like that. I don't know. But, um... But I don't be surprised if Kyler Murray. I mean, he's the best guy by far. I think Austin Kendall might be their backup, but um, 
I just wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he struggles a little bit. They're not, they're not as patient with him as a as a quarterback. I, I don't know what Murray is as a starter. We saw very little of him before. He's been playing a lot of baseball in the last few years. Yeah, mm-hmm. so a huge. In the bat. It's kind of a huge deal to be trying to replace him with with uh, with Murray. Do they go to Austin Kendall? I know that's a question mark. Um, they're losing Mark Andrews at at at, uh, at tight end. Orlando Brown at t- left tackle. Those are two massive, huge positions for this team and this offense. So they got a decent defense. You know, they were kind of up and down last year, but they bring a lot of those guys back. But their offense are losing. They're losing three unanimous All-American type players, and they're not really replacing them with anyone of note right now. So, how much do these guys, these three crew, well, well, Brown, Mayfield, and Andrews, how much do those guys lift up these other players that played well around them? The running back uh, they had last year, Anderson, had played great in very limited time. But that's still going to be different when you're getting that read option from Mayfield, who may pull it and then throw, than Kyler Murray, uh, even though he's we know yeah. he can fly when he gets the ball in open field. Uh, our theories might be tested very quick because OE plays UCLA second week. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> that was not, that we, was not done by design, we people. Very I, well I did not do that on purpose. be right by week two. Um, so <laughs> I think that that's a question mark for OU. So I, now the good thing, good news for OU is that they're they're in a terrible conference. Yo, big, big Twelve. There's no one. That, Texas might be sneaky this year. I'm gonna watch out for Texas. I said I wait a year for Texas Tom Herman. He had his now. year. <laughs> he had his year to get everything. The ducks in a row. I look at the you mentioned the Big Twelve is weak, man. I mean West Virginia. The people are high on. I'm not nearly as high on them. I think West Virginia can be good. Um, I like Greer. Will Greer is talented, uh, but oh, you mentioned OU, no quarterback. Uh, Oklahoma State, no quarterback. TCU, I, I want, I hope Teddy, Kenny Hill's gone because I feel like the dude's being college football. I, I think this is, years. I think he's gone. <laughs> so no, again, new quarterback. Texas is one of the few teams that's bringing back uh, Shane Bouchelle. That's true. Um, so they've got. A, they've got a quarterback. They've got multiple quarterbacks they can go to. They've recruited a million of them, regardless of which guy starts. They'll have quarterbacks that have been in the system under Tom Herman. I I would watch out for Texas as well, the team that might. I don't think they'll be a playoff team, but might end up winning the Big 12. I think that you mentioned West Virginia. They will be one of the teams I look at that can move up, potentially, because I think it is a weak conference, and there's anyone that's going to challenge OU, I think, this year. It's West Virginia. West Virginia is weird, though, because I just feel like that that conference doesn't help them. Because those road Everyone, games, those road games are brutal. Yeah. Now the home games are great because people are traveling that far, but they got four tough road games every year because yeah. they're traveling forever. Right. So I don't love that about them, but uh, they got the best quarterback in the conference, where I'm not concerned. The other team I look at is Virginia Tech. Um, okay. Virginia Tech. Yeah, they're at number 17. That's scary for me because I'm a Miami fan. That I'm saying Virginia Tech yeah, maybe someone tough. to look yeah. at. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Virginia Tech had an extremely young offense last year. Josh Jackson's back. At Josh Jackson's back at quarterback, um, and Justin Fuente has like, he's done a decent job at Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of been under a slow build. It's been, but I think like, every year they've gotten better. They've been a solid team. They've been a very good team. I just, I think that this is what year three for him now. Yes. Uh, usually year three is when you start to see, oh wow, this team is serious, and we know that their defense is going to be great. They did lose Tremaine Edmonds. Um, they did lose Terrell Edmonds. Uh, but the defense is going to be great. 
Josh Jackson showed that he could be really good. I think that Virginia Tech could be a team that surprises people. They got Miami at home this year. Um, so that's a huge game that they'll have at home. Uh, look out for Virginia Tech. They did play, they did play FSU week one. Which and they got FSU on a down year. Yeah. That'll be, uh, I want to say it might be Labor Day, but they play in week one. Um, and they got Notre Dame. Fuente in his first two years has gone 19 and 8. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better start based on that, where that program was when Frank Beamer retired. Yeah. If they win that FSU game, they're going to go into the Notre Dame game, which is in October, undefeated, unless they slip up. Which, by that yeah. point, they'll probably be in the top ten. The problem with Vitek is they're just very young. They were very young last year. They're very young this year. But I just think the experience that they'll have. Um, was Notre Dame in those rankings? They were number 11. They were number 11, yeah. I was, I was what do you make of Notre Dame? <sighs> Notre Dame. They're, I mean, they're always such a wild card because they always play such a tough schedule. Yeah. You know, they always – the schedule is always so wonky that, I mean, they play – Michigan week one. I mean, they've got Michigan, Stanford, Virginia Tech, Pitt, Northwestern, Florida State, USC, some of the notable teams that they're playing. Um, run, run that schedule one more time. Uh, Michigan week one, uh, Stanford week five, Virginia Tech the next week, then Pitt the next week, then Navy the next week, then Northwestern, then FSU, Syracuse, USC. Yeah, I think this is not going to be the greatest year for Notre Dame. They're number 11. They're, like, no, they're another team I think that could fall. Sounds like 78 wins. Man. Yeah, I mean, their offensive line was so great last year with Nelson and McGlinchey. McGlinchey, yeah. Uh, and then Josh Adams left. Yeah. So, I mean. Is Wimbush? Wimbush, Wimbush is back. back. He, he The the, the offense is going to be on him. He wasn't even spectacular. Like, he disappointed me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he, I, I talked agree. a lot about I how I thought Wimbush could be, you know, a sneaky hyphen guy or a sneaky big time. I was off on him. Uh, so, I'll, I'll take the L on that one. I don't know. I just, uh, I, they got new receivers, new offensive line. It's, I don't know. That's a tough schedule to try to figure it out early on. So we'll see what happens with Notre Dame. Um, the good news about the offensive line that they the other three guys are back, and again they had a really good unit. But you just losing two All Americans like that, who were NFL type guys, like, and then you lose your starting running back who you thought was going to come back. That spells a little bit of trouble. Um, so I, I I also would put Notre Dame in that line of uh, number eleven. I would be surprised if they were a, a near top ten team at the end of the year. Yeah, we'll have another. Uh... Since college football's coming up, we'll probably have another preview for that as well. Absolutely. So Kendall, we're at the end of the show. What's Kendall's quote this week? Well, like I mentioned earlier in the show, we have uh, the second part of this NBA Summer League Inside Notes segment. Um, last week, talked about the Eastern Conference. This week, the East. Um, are there any teams in the Western Conference, EJ, that you would like to hear a... Uh, uh, any, let's, any hear, let's hear about the uh, I mean I know it's a weird team because they don't have any rookies to talk about but let's talk about the Thunder okay see let's see what people okay, they had a very interesting offseason they brought back Paul George Melo's gone now um, what's the thought on on the Oklahoma City Thunder um, obviously they feel like Paul George they're thrilled to have him back you know they feel he's a perfect perfect fit um, and they think they have a chance to make a run uh, with Paul George um they said when Andre Roberson went down, it changed their whole season, and he was the one guy they didn't have a replacement for. I totally agree with that. Uh, but the, the guy was like, it's hard to explain how much he means to us, but unless you watch night in, night out. 
Um, and they, they're high on Terrence Ferguson, who they feel has all the potential in the world. Uh, and compare him to Terrence Ross. But they think he had a great future. Okay. Well, Ferguson is a kid. They, they, I'm glad they actually got him some burn last year. I didn't think that he did. Yeah, I was surprised. Paulo Diallo also looked pretty decent in early, from what I heard. Yeah. Um, drafted. I don't know. I don't know about them making a run. I, I just feel like the Warriors are so overpowered that I don't think that Russ and Paul George are gonna get you a really a real shot at them. But uh, I, I'm actually, I actually, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to make this a bash metal segment, but I'm actually curious to see. Okay, what? All the thunder now, like it's Melo's gone. Like there's no need to try to appeal to him in any way. I think that we might be surprised at how good they are. That could be interesting because in in trying to make Melo fit, it it did it wasn't come to the detriment of Paul George and Russell Westbrook. There's no way it couldn't. Their, their style of play doesn't fit Melo. So, and I'm not and I'm not and I said I don't mean that to try to diss Melo right in this segment. I'm just saying that kind of player. Is for how he is in his career at this point, it, it was only going to hurt them to try and make that work. So, with Paul George and and it's being Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook, just that being just the twosome that's leading this team, um, that could be uh, sneakily really good. And maybe the second year is much better than we expect. So they're an interesting team. What about the Sacramento Kings? They drafted Bagley over Doncic. They have a very young team. What is the oh, thoughts yeah, Sacramento. on the Sacramento Red Kings? Sacramento myself. Uh... Let me see if I can find the Sacramento Kings for you. This, the, on drafting Bagley and Doncic, you ask. Doncic is going to be great. This is coming from Sacramento, of course. But Marvin is going to be even better. We'll see. <laughs> does that tell you how high we are? Does, does that tell you how high we are on him? People say he's like Chris Bosh, and that's a lofty comparison, but not an unfair one. He's going to score and rebound from day one. Defense will take a little time, but it does almost. But it does for almost every big. Talking about his defense. Uh, okay. Talking about Harry Giles, we probably could have pushed him back at the end of the season, but it wouldn't have been the right thing to do. He's already, he's got to get his conditioning up, but all the skills are there. We think we have as deep a group of young bigs as anyone, and all of them can really play. I disagree with that, <laughs> but that gives us tons of options going forward. Uh, I do agree. That, that, that quote was directly from Vivek. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> that was the Vivek quote they got right there. Um. Yeah, it was the only relevant thing. They have other stuff. Uh, I mean, so they're trying to soften the blow a little bit in the Doncic thing, saying that look, Doncic is great. So they're not. Yeah, they didn't. They're they, not trying to suggest that they don't think Doncic is great. Divac, you know, in public at his press conference, seemed very dismissive of Doncic's abilities. So right. So we'll see what that is. That was but, more of a but at least right that's this person saying, look, Doncic is going to be great. Don't get us wrong. But that they they see a higher ceiling with Bagley, which I think is the only explanation to why they would have drafted him to me over. Doncic, um, I think that was a mistake. Uh, I think the summer league didn't make me feel any differently. I think that Bagley, to me, looked like a guy who could probably score, could probably rebound for sure on the next level. But again, impact on winning. I don't see what he does that's special that makes me think, oh, my team's going to win a lot of games. Cause he's Unless he averages 20-something points a game, which he didn't look like that in the summer league. I just feel like how he's going to get his 20 points. Yeah, even then, yeah, he, he does, yeah. Throwing the ball at the backboard when he misses right-handed layups and just grabbing it and throwing it. Like, I don't know how efficient that is in the NBA. So I, I, I've always thought Bagley's numbers would be good. Even when he, before he even thought of I thought that he was a guy that was going to put up numbers. I, I just do have those questions about he doesn't play any defense. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of light. 
and his offensive game is good, but it's not nearly as advanced as I think you people would make it out to be. He's very one hand dominant. Doesn't have many moves. He gets a lot of it away on just athleticism. Yeah. The big question though is I do I am curious to see that in the NBA he has the potential to be a very dangerous pick and roll guy. I I do want to see in a more NBA game how that fits into his game. Right. Because that's the one thing we didn't get to see in college, and he was still averaging twenty. So that's something that I can't. I don't know what's going to happen, but the potential is there. He's a great athlete. He can run, run. He can catch alley-oops. The, I, the chance that he's a bad pick-and-roll guy, it seems light or small. Yeah, especially when they teach him. point guard, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Um, well, what about Phoenix? They have two first-round picks. They have number one pick. What's the word on the Suns? Uh, I mean, he added notes about how Dragon Bender and Josh Jackson look whack. Look those guys, man. <laughs> this It's very alarming from the Suns that those guys look the way they looked at Summer League. In fact, that Dragon is still playing in summer league. Uh, on drafting DeAndre Ayton, we came up when we came up at number one. We knew we, we had our choice of guy, and we made the right one. He's going to be very good for years. Rarely can you dump it into the post to a twenty to a twenty year old. You know he's going to score, which that's what it felt like last year with Ayton. Yeah, we have that in DeAndre, and the jumper has the form to add range. When trading for Mikael Bridges, he's like a ten year vet already. He's just got that way about him. We think he's going to be very good for us. The deal happened, happened pretty quickly, and we're fortunate it did. Um, on signing Devin Booker to an extension, no-brainer. He's the best young scorer in the league. He's developing very quickly as a playmaker. We, when the talent around him matures, he'll look even better. We're thrilled to have him sign for, for the foreseeable future. All the relevant stuff on Phoenix. Um, any teams that any teams that uh that you uh. We're interested in talking about. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously Dallas is very excited about Doncic. Felt he's the best player in the draft, and uh, not concerned about him not playing in the summer league because they felt he played a long time. Yeah, uh, I think that was probably the right move to pull him out. Actually, also they're they're uh, excited to see what Dennis Smith does in the second year. They feel like it's tough being a point guard under Rick Carlisle. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, but they feel like he he got through the year. Uh, he got through a tough year, so they feel like he'll be even better for it next year. I think this second, we, we the second year you guys always get forgotten about because you are a new rookies in. But I think the second year class is going to be, be one of the more fascinating classes. What happens to Dennis Smith? What happens with uh, Lonzo Ball? What Frank. happens with Frank Nittalikina? Um Obviously, you got the big dogs Three, at the top, yeah. um, you know, Tatum and, and, and Mitchell. Yeah. But like, there's so much that Markel Fultz, he basically didn't play last year. I mean, this is going to be Josh Jackson. Some of these guys, I'm almost as curious to see what they do. De'Aaron Fox in their second De'Aaron year. Fox might the be rookies. the best player on his team. Right. Oh. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with these second year guys. That, um, and I think I'm, I think Laden didn't play as much as I would. I, more of them, I thought should have played in the summer league than they did. So. I, I'm very fascinated to see what, what happens with the second-year guys, how many of these guys take the next step. They, and where we, after the season, where will, we see, where will these guys be standing in terms of the NBA lexicon and where we look at them moving forward? They're, uh, Memphis, very high on Jaron Jackson, obviously, mm-hmm. said that when they got their pick, they knew who they wanted. <laughs> like when, they, right. when they fell in their spot in the lottery, he was the guy they targeted. Um, Portland's very high on Anthony Simons and Gary Trent. I mean, all these teams are high on the guys who drafted, but they they feel like both those guys are ready. They feel like Trent's ready to play now. They think Simon's will be ready to play soon enough. I mean, they drafted the two right guys. I just thought they drafted them in weird spots. Yeah, it was I like I like their draft though. Um, 
And they 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 also liked bringing in Stauskas and Seth Curry, who they feel like they have a million guards. Yeah, no, I can't imagine. How did they figure that all out? They were like, everyone needs more shooting. Seth is on the list of best shooters when he's healthy. Uh, he should be great with other with the, the other guards. And there's still a shooter in there for Nick. Guys, don't just lose that ability. We think we could bring it out of him. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then obviously, you know. Utah, a lot of love on Donovan Mitchell. Um, what do they think of Grayson Allen? Grayson Allen, interesting. They did comment on Grayson Allen. They said, uh, our guard depth is going to be tested in free agency and you need guards to win. We think Grayson can be a plus shooter and good playmaker. We like our guards to be versatile off the bench, and he checks that box. They also I don't see a plus shooter in Grayson. Yeah, I I thought he had the I chance. See, I see maybe an above-average shooter. That's I, that's always my been my thing with Grayson Allen. If he becomes a plus shooter, I think he can be a really good, not really good, but a good NBA player. If he doesn't, I don't think he'll last very long, at least in a rotation, mm-hmm. because he doesn't really do anything else special. I thought that he played well in the summer league overall. It was up Wait, and down. And his shooting wasn't good. No, it was it up and down. Money. He didn't shoot that great. But a lot of guys don't shoot great in the summer league, so I kind of, I don't hold them to the fire that much on that. Guys are nervous. It's a weird kind of game. Uh, I just saw his feel for the game, how he handled himself on the court. He just looked like an NBA guy, which is very – I didn't think he would. So he surpassed my expectations of how he played. So I was very impressed with how also, he handled himself in Vegas and in Utah. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, they were excited to get LeBron James. Oh, shocked. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but beyond that, they talked about their younger guy, and they think – Brandon. he said, Brandon Ingram is going to blow up this year. Everyone focuses on how guys can support LeBron James, but they skip how LeBron makes guys better. Brandon will score six to eight points per game just being in the right spot when LeBron or Rondo passes him the ball. Kyle, too. He and Mo can make a living hitting open threes. And Lonlu will be good with someone to push him. And Josh is going to be a guy everyone loves. He just knows how to play, and that will be huge. Josh Howard was extremely impressive in the summer league. Yeah. yeah. That's looking like a very good second-round pick they got. He looks like he can play. He looked like he can play last year when that's, he was playing. Look, that's him. sneaky. That's becoming a uh, a theme with Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson. Getting Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Fighting speed the late in the second round. round. Yeah, this, this year they got Mo Wagner. Mo Wagner late first round. I mean, they've drafted NBA. Not every team drafts NBA guys. No. A lot of those guys like those guys on fire. Or those second. last picks in the first round, they're nothing. I mean... I, I mean, the Celtics, I'm used to the Celtics picking late in the first round, and a lot of the guys we drafted, the Fab Mellows, you know, Jawan Johnson, Ejuan Moore, I mean, a lot of, Ejuan Moore actually, that was the second round pick, that actually wasn't terrible, he's still in the league, but yeah. um, did nothing for Boston, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of bad players get drafted in that range, so if you draft a rotation player, good for them. I think that's a good place to wrap the show, Kendall, so thank you guys, thank you for that Western Conference Notes, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, shout out to Real GM, of course. That's who we were. That's where we were getting the notes from. Uh, they're a great website. Keith Smith, yes. Uh, so shout out to them. Thanks. Uh, who? Keith Smith. Keith Smith. Thanks, Keith Smith, to do that article. Him on the show. Maybe I'll we'll expand love that. I love that Keith Smith on our. Maybe we'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for listening to the show. Of course, be sure to check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Instagram. Our new podcast uh, media, not podcast, but our, our new uh, Instagram account. Uh, follow us at New Generation Podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter at New Generation Pod. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram at Action EJ. That does it for now. We'll be back next week with more sports talk for Kendall. I'm EJ. Peace.